This is a HeadGum Podcast. I watched the, tra- I watched the credits of this movie, right? I'm like, man, how did this movie get made? Forrest Whitaker's name is on it. And Forrest Whitaker, I know we brought him up before. Forrest Whitaker is single-handedly... What's his name on it? What he was he was a producer. He was executive producer. Yeah, his name his so, name comes up. Does his name come up in the beginning credits or? Just oh, credits? I saw it at the end. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because Boris Whitaker. I'm looking at his IMDb. Has produced literally Fruitvale Station, Dope, uh, Roxanne Roxanne, which is on Netflix right now. You guys should check it out. Mm-hmm. Sorry to bother you. Like he low key is putting these black voices on. Like straight up. I really want to know the process though. I want to know. Where when he comes in to the I, process, I know for Fruitvale Station he met Ryan Coogler at the Sundance mm-hmm. director that program. So I know he met him there. Oh, as the far program. as yeah, so as far as everyone else, I'm not sure how quickly or how long he got involved. Right. But the thing is, my man has literally been involved. Yeah, you know? like dude, you yeah, are sure he's out there. But it's so cool because yeah. I keep thinking about how often you see Steven Spielberg putting on new directors and and and, and like. Greenlighting these projects, but he's like, you know, I'm gonna just put my name on it, help you get it through. And it's cool to see that Forrest Whitaker is doing the same thing with film and in movies that, in all honesty, Fruitvale Station, dope, and this alone, those three, I mean, Roxanne Roxanne was about a hip hop artist who may be considered, well, I guess she's considered like one of the first female hip hop artists to like break. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mainstream Hollywood isn't checking for these people, you know, like dope. Could you imagine a geeky dude present day? And was it Watts? Like, no, no one's making that. This movie, no, what? What? Rubel Station? Like, you know, God bless this man. I just, I hope more people take his lead and do things like this when it comes to film. Yeah. I know it's happening in TV, so I'm not going to hate on that. I'm just saying, like, in film, it's really nice to see, like, this black dude's name pop up every now and then, and then seeing what happens to the directors he puts on. Right. Yeah, I'll say I felt the same way when I saw, when I, it had, it must have been at the end. It must have been at the end. I, I saw it at the end, yeah. It remember at the beginning but like when i saw it too i had the same thought specifically because i had forgotten about dope but i immediately remembered um fruitvale station and also just because uh the creed 2 trailer was right before this movie like i was already thinking about that you know that's true Uh, i'm thinking about that world i guess um uh and so like that's it's so cool that he that what he is doing and i've never seen a movie like uh sorry to bother you before you know and like to 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 see his name attached to this movie was like felt very good yeah man i i i I dug it i was like you know what that's who we need we need to find forrest whitaker so i mean apparently booze riley wrote this script in 2012 really yeah because he's a music video director, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And he had it like he had different ideas from from it, and and so it's been a it's been a minute. So I'm really I'm trying to f- find, and I can't. I'm sure it's out there. I'm trying to figure out how it finally got to a place where he was able to produce it, and who did it? Because I know Annapurna picked it up at Sundance. Oh really? Yeah. So they didn't produce. So, so they already had made it at that point. They already they already made it. They already made. They got it into Sundance. So I, I'm trying to figure out how, who backed the money to get it into Sundance. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like yeah, who gave the money to get it made? You know what I mean? Oh I mean, yeah. And they assembled a, a cast and 
all of this stuff. Yo, but Creed 2 looks like fire. I'm excited for that. But also, the thing about this movie, he must have had some type of connections because um, he had David Cross, Patton Oswalt, and then Lily James as the white voices. And I mean, yeah. Those are very, I mean, Lily. Do you guys know Boots Riley, the musician? I, I don't. I don't either. I don't. Um, no, no, I don't know him. Um, and if he did, I mean, maybe, he, let me Google, maybe he did things that I just don't. No, I didn't Googled realize I like, that well, he made. I, I still don't know. The Coop is a is like the group that he was in. It's called the Coop. No, I no, I don't I don't know him at all. The Coop, yeah, C O C O U P. Apparently, okay. apparently, uh, one of the albums he made was also called "Sorry to Bother You." I uh, think I think that's what I read. I mean, it's very interesting. I don't know. Like, it, I, I am very fascinated by, like, I would love to find out, like, how far along this movie got. I just wonder how it got made. I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I'm just very curious. All right, here, to, I guess it's Riley wrote the screenplay around 2012 with the vague hope he might make, a, make it with friends on a shoestring budget of $50,000. The night before our meeting, he had, I don't know, well, you know what? Never mind. They just started, they just stopped. They just stopped talking about it. <laughs> they just said that sentence, and then this interviewer started talking about his meeting with him, which is rude. This, this is a rude. This is bullshit. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I just I didn't hear the last bit because I was just looking up if that word was coop or coo, and it's coo, right? <laughs> Listen, James. <laughs> uh, James. Sorry, I, I immediately was like, "Oh yeah, coop." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but you had to say it. <laughs> On <laughs> James is like, no, 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 no I but I just, it, no, James like, I just, I just had to look it up. Us. I'm sorry to everyone bother you. Uh, you're a dick. <laughs> I didn't miss that. I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry to bother you. Yeah, we, to heard you. we heard you. We heard you. We heard you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> all right. Nick, just start the show. Jonathan Raylock. James the Third. Drop Billy Gage. What more can I say? Welcome to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Hollywood City. Nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga, nigga, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga that is the way to start it off. Good job, I, James. I agonized over what I was going to do. I had no idea no, what I was going to do. No, that is, that hey, is the way to start So if you didn't know what kind of podcast you were getting into, James just told you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Woo. my goodness. Uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time, this lovely voice you're hearing now is Jonathan Ugh. Braylock. What? The, what, the, what? Uh, this is Gerard Milligan. And this lovely voice you're listening to is James the Third. Honestly, I'm not mad at that. I heard you. Finally, I finally heard you. He speak. has, you know, <laughs> I, I, I a heard voice that makes sense. No. I, honestly, that may, I feels that feels utterly appropriate, James. Uh, it's so appropriate. It do, it almost makes me want to do the white voice too. It's really good. The um, nasally voice. If so why do they make it? Oh, I can't. <laughs> oh man. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> Oh, that was really good. Oh, thank you. I'm just, I'm, you. I'm wondering. Oh my God, that was really good voice. White voice, because I'm wondering <laughs> how many listeners are gonna say that are that it sounds the same. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I don't know if it sounds the same. Yeah, 
Yeah. I don't know. You think our listeners are just eighth grade bullies? I know. Like, what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Uh, so, again, for those who are listening for the first time, this is a podcast where we review films that star black actors. Hell, yeah. Say that in my black man voice. And we talk about them in the context of race. Do you hear what we're talking about right now? And diversity in Hollywood. Woo! My man said diversity in motherfucking. Oh, yeah, I said I added the motherfucking, but we talking about motherfucking Hollywood. But for our white audiences, please don't get scared. No, we're very friendly here. We're very friendly. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the concept of that is so random, but also, I get it. Uh, we are reviewing the new film, Sorry to Bother You, which uh, I think hit theaters uh, in wide release this weekend, yes. this past weekend. Uh, limited release the weekend before that. Uh, it stars Lakeith Sanfield, Tessa, Tessa Thompson, Thompson, our boy Jermaine. Friend of the pod, Jermaine Fowler. Um, those who are fans of uh, Power, um, Omari Hardwick. That's right. Terry Crews. Oh, man, Terry Crews. Danny Glover. Um, uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead. <laughs> Honestly, I thought the whole time watching it, when we, I was like, we're going to record this podcast. Do I call him Steven? Because I know it's Steven Yang. But I was like, oh, do I just call him Glenn? And I've decided, I'm going to call him Glenn. Of course. Steven Yen. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, there's a lot of comedy people. Oh, Army Hammer, of course, is also in this. Um, yeah. And a lot of other comedy peeps in this. Uh, David Cross, Pat Oswalt. Wait. Uh, w. Kumar Bell makes an appearance. Oh, that was Rosario. Okay, Rosario Dawson. Okay, she's Could the you voice tell of the that elevator. Was her voice. You I tell. I've, oh, I I wow. freaking like. Well, I thought it, but then someone in my theater screamed, "Is that Rosario Dawson?" Um, oh wow! I saw it, and I was the only black person in my theater. Is that <laughs> Rosario Dawson? Only. <laughs> That's so great. I was the only black guy. In the I'm talking. And it was like a diverse. It was a diverse crowd. I saw it in Astoria. I saw yeah. it in Astoria, Sunday night at 1010. Huh. Right off the plane, straight to the theater. And I was like, oh, this movie. It was a bunch of, it was older white people in there, mm -hmm. a group of young white people. Mm -hmm. It may have been one black couple, but uh, no, uh, maybe there was one black couple. Well, I mean, this, this movie has been a smash hit uh, uh, for critics. Um, and uh, it's doing pretty well at the box office, considering it's still a somewhat limited release. Like it's in the eight hundred something theaters. It made I think five million. Yeah, it did really well for like, Yeah, uh, I think it opened at number uh, eight uh, for the wide release, uh, which is pretty good considering it, its wide release was like only a fraction of other movies. Yeah, that it's have still wide indie. It's like slightly above definitely, indie release. Definitely still an indie. Uh, but it's getting such uh, critical acclaim that it probably will be in theaters for quite some time. Uh, uh, and Annapurna is is distributing it, um, and, and they're like kind of like an indie darling. Uh, it's it's Rotten Tomato score is ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yeah. Um, though interesting enough, the audience score is sixty six percent. Mm. And that might yeah. just be because uh, it's a it's you know it's a pretty wild film. I think one of the things that most people that I've seen personally uh, on Facebook and Twitter is people saying, "You just you have to see it. You have to see it. I can't even explain it. You just got to go see it. Trust me, you got to see it." 
And um, yeah, so I know a lot of our, our fan base is probably going to be excited. If you haven't um, seen the movie, definitely go see it because we're going to spoil it. And this you should is one of those movies it. that you, you kind of don't want it to be spoiled. You kind of want to see it. Maybe in our initial thoughts, maybe we won't. Talk about? Do you want to not talk about spoilers in an initial? I, thought? I no. can. I feel like I feel Ugh. even we in can, initial we thoughts. We can try you have. to not t- talk about spoilers in initial thoughts, but I just feel like so many of the initial thoughts are about mine. Will be yeah. Mine will be triggered by it. We, we could say we could say uh, when oh, there, at a certain point something happens, and when that thing happens, I was you know what are we one way or another, and then we can specifically talk about it after. Right. I just feel like there might be some people who want to hear like a little bit more. I, I'll try, but all like, right, my, all right, Shiraz gonna this, try. Well, no, because the thing is, so people my, are already turning. Because my thing is, my my thought of movie is almost like that. What happens in the movie definitely changes my thoughts of the movie. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's like so I won't. I, okay, I won't say what it is, but like is yeah, it definitely it, your it definitely changes how it goes. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah. All right. Well, do you? I'll go first. Do you want to go first? Then? I'll go first. Okay. Uh, so I'm hoping actually while reviewing this podcast, I will know how I actually feel about this movie. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I you just saw it yesterday. I just saw it and I'm, try, I was trying to figure it out. It's definitely one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. It's a very bizarre movie. But also like, I'm very happy that a black person got to make this weird ass movie. Yeah. And I understand the themes he was trying to make. It's just that at one point I, there were a lot, there were a lot of things that I definitely understand. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. But to an extent. I don't understand what it was trying to say fully. Like to me, yeah. it's like t- w- my interpretation of it was, it was twofold. It was it was talking about you know uh, a prison system. It was talking about uh, like the prison system, like oh a couple of things, like prison system being used by like white America. Also, the idea of what it means to sell out, but then also a little bit of code switching, which a lot of African Americans or just people of color have to do it. But mainly African Americans, mm-hmm. where like if you come from a certain area, you gotta know how to talk to your man's back home. But then also going to the white area, which is like the white voice, you know? Right. Uh, so I love that kind of stuff. I just don't think I liked the movie. Okay. Like I, I, I it the acting was great. Uh, the direction was really cool and very weird and quirky. It, mm-hmm. it definitely was. Again, it was so weird, and I liked that it was weird. I just don't think I liked it. it, it you know what I mean? You. Yeah, it just wasn't my cup of tea because. Once we get to the twist in the movie, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like, and it's so. And I will say this: I saw this in a movie, and maybe my uh, uh, the the circumstances for me watching the movie was kind of slanted. Like again, I only had like three days off, work for a month straight. I saw this like immediately off the plane, and I went and saw, it, and it was an all white theater. So that moment with James is talking about what he like when we get to the nigga, 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 nigga moment, or oh, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit. The theater at first was rolling. Right. I'm talking about fucking laughing their asses off. And then it went, and then when the scene went for a beat longer, you could see like the guy's face and see like, oh, he wasn't comfortable. Then people started getting quiet. And I personally felt eyes on me because I didn't laugh. So I definitely felt like, I don't know, man, because it wasn't packed, packed, but it was enough of us were like, yeah, man, you knew the 20 people who were in the theater. Like, I was definitely the black guy. Maybe there was a black couple way up in the top, but I felt. I felt the row behind me because the row behind me had the young white group, but then next to that white group were the two old white dudes. Yeah. So I definitely felt them look at me. I felt it, and I just didn't like it. And then at that point, I was like, I don't know who this movie's made for. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if it was made. And I get if it was made for like a white hipster audience because they definitely, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't feel comfortable in the movie and I'm happy it was made, but it's just like, it just, yeah, it wasn't my cup of tea. So I'm not sure if I like it or hate it, but I'm like, I'm on the, I'm on the fence <laughs> right yeah. now. So yeah, that's where I'm at. A very rocky road. Um, can I ask? Or actually, never mind. Wait, nope. uh, no, no, no. I'll ask. It. James, are you going to go or, or should I go? I'll, I'll go after you. All right. Well, then let me ask you. Do you like Darren Ar- Aronofsky? Love him. Okay. It, it, my thing about him though, is I love him, but I've never seen one of his movies more than once. Like, because I saw, like, I remember in college, I saw in film class, we had to watch Rec Room for a Dream, mm-hmm. the unedited, the, the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Messed me up, like, saw it at 8 o'clock one morning on a Friday, messed up my whole weekend. Yeah. Like, ter- like, but I thought the performance was so great. And I just saw, uh, was it her? Not her. Mother? Mother. I just watched Mother. And I thought that was weird. But for some reason, I, I to me personally, mm. I understood Mother. Oh, okay. Because the ending, I know people, for instance, the ending of Mother to me was more about, like, Earth. It was about two things. Like, Earth and how we take advantage of it and then women and how... Women bring life into the world, but like no matter what race you are, women are always treated like crap. Like even if it's doesn't matter if it's white, like black, of course certain races and certain religions treat women differently, but like usually at the end of it, men are always, you know. Whereas this movie, once it got to that twist, I just don't know. Like the the ending of the movie, mm-hmm. I was like, what is the I was like, why? Like, why was that necessary? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Um, okay, cool. Well, Here's my here's I I'm oddly mixed about this movie, but not for the same reasons that you are, I think. Uh but though maybe there are some reasons that will align and we'll see. I will say this up top though, just for people who are like, "Oh no, are there I I do like uh, overall, I like this movie. Overall, I had a lot of fun with it. I was laughing a lot. I thought the performances were pretty great. Um and I think in terms of our podcast and in terms of how we look at, you know, black-led films in the landscape of the larger Hollywood backdrop, I'm so happy a movie like this exists because of directors like Darren Aronofsky and David Lynch and other people who get to do kind of weirder, crazier things with film. And I feel like black directors rarely get to do that. 100%. Uh, and so for uh, a black directed and black led film to be able to do something as crazy as I think white filmmakers are have been given the privilege to do is like so awesome to me. I think it really is a sign of, you know, it's one of the nice highlights of these diversity is hot movement that's happening right now. You know, like a film like this, even though it's still an indie film and had to come out of Sundance, you know, is still a small distributor at the end of the day, but a distributor who is, who are putting out films like this. Uh, and I think this film probably will be an awards consideration at the end of the year, um, at least for like screenplay and, and stuff like that. Um, uh, I think, a film like this is like it's so unique and uh it's tra- it's transformational in in the in terms of the larger context of like black 
filmmakers and actors in Hollywood. So for that, I love and I give it props. And then I also think the film is about so much. There's so many themes happening in it. You know, there's the idea of capitalism, the idea of, of race and what it means to sell out and what it means to be black in a white-dominated world and whether or not it's okay to get yours or to, you know, be uh, part of a larger social, uh, you know, justice movement. What is it, you know, what responsibility do we have to social justice, you know? And and then also the mistreatment of workers and uh, corporations treating... They're employees yeah. like they're yeah. slaves or cattle. Uh, <laughs> and so there are certain things. It's like, to, to me, I li- there's so much happening, and, 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 and I really respect it. I really like the, some of the filmmaking choices. so crazy. Like him doing the voice and then dropping into the actual places of the people he's talking to. So, you know, that kind of filmmaking style was, was really cool and, and dynamic and... Um, uh, definitely allowed the actors to play and to improvise, which was fun. Um, and it really lightened up these comedic moments. Um, it's weird, though, because I did get a sense at the end of the movie, and I think I, this is where I cut. I, I do align with you, where I was like, I don't, I don't know if the movie actually made a statement as much as it was. Uh, here's here's what I'll say. Tessa Thompson's character in the movie, it felt like what the movie was to me, which was very expressive. Like, mm-hmm. you knew that the character was about something, and they kind of said what they were about a little bit, and they were doing all this performance art, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who you are. It, it feels all surface, and it's weird to call this movie shallow, because it's not, because it has so much going on in it, mm-hmm. but... I guess because it never makes a statement, and that's maybe that's fine because again, that's why I'm comparing it to Tessa Thompson's character. Performance art usually is very hesitant to make statements, definitive statements about anything. They want you to step away and go, "This is what that meant to me." They want you to interpret it, and so they don't necessarily have a strong message underlying it. And I feel like this movie, whether it was purposeful or not, didn't have a strong underlying message. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm like, okay, and, and that's a type of movie that exists, uh, and it's great for people who like that. And then for me, I'm like, am I the person who likes that? I don't know. But, um, I mean, it was so creative and, and innovative that I, th- I just give it so much props for that. So, yeah, that's yeah. how uh, – so I'm mixed on it, too. I feel like, you know, the, the twist I liked, I, I, I'm down with that. We'll talk about that. I liked that because it was just, like, so bizarre, and I was like, this is – Hilarious. This is crazy. Uh, but, but some of the other things... Anyway, well, uh, let me, let, let's let James. Jamie James. Yeah, so um, I completely hear everything uh, you guys have said. Um, I'll start with saying uh, this movie's fantastic. <laughs> and yeah. I have never seen a movie like this, and this sort of goes in line with the with what you both have said already, which is like not that I have never seen like a uh surrealist uh like uh, avant garde or like alti film no I don't mean that, but I've never seen one that's all black people <laughs> and i've no you know and I've so never true. seen one where like 
you know, it's like it's like dealing with so many different themes. Um, and uh, but but the thing, but pretty much the thing that what Bray just said he didn't quite like about it is kind of what I enjoyed so much about it was that it sort of like didn't quite say one thing. I think. Like I don't. Uh, right. and I, I liked that it didn't. Like I like. I like how like at the end when, you know, when he tries to change this. I won't say. I won't give anything away. But when he uh, tries to move in a in a different direction, it's almost like it's too late. You know. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and that's mm-hmm. that's so cool. Which it, you know, it, it and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he never should have <laughs> done what he had done. Uh, leading up until that that point uh uh but i like that like for the character it has like these consequences that aren't necessarily it's not necessarily the message of the movie but it's like but it has big uh consequences and big s- stakes for the for the character that we're that we're following um uh that's what i'll say about that i saw that i saw this movie with two other people and they both did not like it <laughs> they what were like their races it. wow really um, who were their races uh, uh sorry what are the races um yeah. white and uh mixed um but not bl- bl- black one of them was cat my my wife uh, who is half asian um uh, for the people that don't know <laughs> um <laughs> and and you know and it was mo- it was mostly the twist for my wife and then the other person just wasn't like like already doesn't like weird movies so it was like immediately not right. uh, into sense. it from the beginning um something about it that i that <laughs> i that I that I like that I re- she wanted to go see it, but then like once she realized what it was, she was like, okay. Um, uh, what there's so much that I want that I want to say though. Like I I enjoyed I saw it with a mixed crowd, and something that I loved about watching the movie, and I hadn't seen a comedy in a while. I feel like the last one that I went to theaters to see, besides like the Marvel movies, which are like hilarious now for whatever reason, um, was like Baywatch or whatever. And, like, people are pretty much laughing throughout, you know? Um, Whereas, like, this, like, it hit pockets of people throughout. Like, it wasn't hitting... It wasn't hitting the whole crowd at once at every single joke. It was, like... There was one joke that I guffawed at out loud and no one else in the theater laughed. Um, There there were points where, you know, like, the bottom corner's laughing, the back's laughing. You know, I I thought that was... amazing uh and like and a testament to to the movie itself um and then another thing that i'll say in in the initial thoughts besides just everyone in it is so good all the acting is so good it's super super strong all of that the directing i thought was great i love how weird it is i love 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 how weird it is and can't wait for us to break it down the other thing that i that uh that i thought was interesting and i almost got into a a, like not a fight but in a, a a tiff afterwards with with one of the people that didn't like it um, was I was like I, when, whenever a movie has a big twist like that, uh, it's always very interesting to to go back and think about like the movie leading up to it, and like it was always this movie, like like the movie you were watching was always going to this, and yeah, interesting, you know, yeah. oh, <laughs> it yeah. was like it was like always going to be this, and she disagreed. She was like, I don't I don't think that that's true, and I and I think that movies are all made in different ways. Who knows if it started with the twist <laughs> or, or if it was a moment of like, oh, I don't know what to come next. What if it's this? Cool. And now I'm running with it. Um, or if like, <laughs> you know, which image, how, uh, you know, what was the seed for the beginning of the movie? Or, right. or you know, um, but regardless, because that is where the movie goes, that is always what the movie was. And that, you know, there's something 
to be said for the way that this movie is made. It it starts off and it already is so weird, and then it goes to such a weird place. And like if you know, thinking about the thinking about the fact that like the from a directing standpoint and from a writing standpoint, like he's trying to get us ready for the very weird journey that we are going to end up or the very weird destination that we're going to end up at. I just thought that 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 stuff was really, really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, do a little quick word from our sponsor, y'all. Today, we are sponsored by Quip. Oh, yeah, I love a good toothbrush, baby. Mm-hmm. Yo, listen, look, the truth is most of us are brushing our teeth wrong, like James III. He, he's, not, he's, not brushing it, he's not brushing his teeth right. I haven't seen him brush his teeth in a long time. I used to live with him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You over there brushing well in I mean, LA, James? James? How, how often do you change your brush? You know what I mean? I mean, mm. I think I change it, like what, like every nine months to 12 months. Is oh, my how, God. Ooh, oh, oh, right? oh, James. <laughs> James, no. no, is that James? No. All right, look, look. First of all, Quip is an electric toothbrush. Do you, do you have an electric toothbrush, James? No, 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 no. I have like yeah. just the plastic, you know. Right, I did too. And 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 see, that's why you got to step your game up. And this right? is the thing, man. I got Quip like outside of this podcast mm-hmm. like a year ago, and I love it. I mean, it's a it's a quiet toothbrush. It has a timer, so you brush right. for like two minutes. Remember those old electronic toothbrushes? Oh, the loud like, ones. Yeah, yeah no, nah, like, I don't want that in my mouth. It's sleek, it's sexy, you know what I'm saying? Yo, Quip, I mean, I don't know if you could call a toothbrush sexy, but if you could, Quip Bruh, is sexy. It is sexy, man. Me me, me, and my friend, we got matching toothbrushes. I got mine. She has yeah. hers. It's like real nice, you know Listen, what I mean? I mean, you know, if you're trying to impress, you know, uh, a lady or a fella and they walk into your back, because here's the thing. When you invite somebody over to your house what? and they walk into your bathroom, well, they looking. They they're looking. They look they're like, the what the person got? Okay, what what the toilet look like? Right. What the sink look like? Ooh, if, look if at if that toothbrush. Got, if, you got, if you had a nice looking sleek quip toothbrush. Ooh man, I remember I dated a woman and her toothbrush had the bristles that was all over the place. I'm like, baby, you got to change this. Got to change that. Got to change this. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, quip starts at just twenty five dollars, and if you go to getquip.com slash jump right now. You'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Wow. Okay? That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash jump. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash jump. Getquip slash wow. jump. Get that toothbrush. <laughs> Okay, we are back. Yep, and we got spoilers. Now we're in spoiler mode. Now we're in spoiler mode, so get out of here. Yeah, you've been warned. You're in spoiler mode. All right. Yeah, go. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> so, hey, you know let's what? Let's start at the beginning. All right, the beginning of this movie. Honestly, okay, I think I like this movie, but I think it was, I was uncomfortable in my setting. I think, I, think, I think the setting I was in was very uncomfortable because in this scene, you're looking at this black dude. I immediately knew he didn't have money. He, he's in front of this white guy trying to get a job as a telemarketer. He's got a fake trophy and a fake employee of the month plaque with his face on it. And he's here and he's trying to pitch himself. And I'm looking at him. And, and you can see the desperation on the Q's face. You see it. Mm-hmm. You see the white dude who's unimpressed. And apparently the white guy's like, well, I used to work at that bank. You ain't worked it. You know what I'm saying? 
And you just saw his face drain. And it was so uncomfortable because as he's doing this and as he's like kind of hyping himself up and 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 it's saying, you know, I was an employee of the month. And the thing is, to me, in this scene, before you figure out that everything is fake, he's not telling jokes to me. Like to me, it's just a dude who's like, Yeah, you know, I was employed a month at the bank for such and such and such. Uh, you know, I was at the whatever other place and I was doing well. But in my theater, those white people, those white folks were laughing, bro. Hmm. Like, I, and it maybe, maybe it was, a, I, I don't, maybe they were jokes. I just didn't know. Right. But like, I'm talking about people were cracking up and I was like, oh man, this dude, I mean, I knew this shit probably was fake. Well, right. I mean, to be fair, I think most people probably saw the trailer before coming in. They understand that this is somewhat of a comedy and. For sure. For sure. I just. more. And it's mostly like the reaction, right? It's like, it's like the reaction that the white guy is well, giving you. Well, to me, to me, the joke didn't get revealed until you realized it was fake. And, right. and it's so funny because even in indies, that kind of reveal, if that was five hundred days, I mean, was it five hundred days of summer? That would have been a sad, cute reveal, right? Not like ha, like I'm sorry, people were rolling, and I was like, it wasn't that yeah. funny to me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I was howling uh, throughout this beginning or if my theater was howling throughout the beginning, but the second I saw that Employee of the Month plaque in his hand, I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that did make yeah, me laugh. Like, I mean, like, drop. No, I knew who, it was funny. Who no, a, the thing is, who goes to an interview? No, listen, I thought it was silly. And listen, man, I thought, don't get me wrong. I definitely thought it was funny, no, but no, no, people right. were like. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Though, I just, it just, I, yeah. I don't know. Right. I just felt mad. At, even, it just was. It was uncomfortable. I hear, I told you, I hear you. I was like, ugh. Because it's, because it, because you're, people are looking at the comedy aspects of it, but you're looking at like, no, this is real. Like people, black people go to job interviews and they try to do everything they can to just get a job and they have to like do a song and dance. Cause that's what he was doing. Yeah. And my thing is at this point this dude was desperate. Like I mean even he's though we don't know yet he's right. desperate. <laughs> Sorry I'm looking up reviews of, of this movie so I'm just trying to whatever. Um, yeah. No but it's like he was desperate. I don't, and again it was funny but man bro it, it, I felt so uncomfortable. I haven't felt that way since I saw uh, what was that movie that came out? Um, and it had Sandra Bullock, Ludacris. It was about uh, Crash. Crash. I haven't felt that uncomfortable since Crash, because in Crash, Ludacris gives this Even speech. Twelve years of sleep. Well, twelve years of sleep. I knew it was supposed to be bad, but right. in Crash, Ludacris and Lawrence Tate, mm-hmm. like they're on the bus, and Ludacris has this whole crazy monologue about like why he doesn't get on buses because of the windows yeah. and who normally rides the bus. And to me, like, yes, it is insane, but what he's saying is like kind of real. And I remember being in that theater with my boys, and we were the only black people in that theater, and people were laughing their asses off. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't like that. It, it, I just felt like, oh, right. I get this Because you joke. don't know, you're like, I don't know if you guys understand what's actually happening in this. Like, you're not getting it. Because I don't know if it's perpetuating the stereotype you already think mm-hmm. in my head. Because at the end of the day, yes. I mean, we talk about this offline all the time. Like, we think about certain people, some of our friends, some people who made it in Hollywood right now. Some of the ones who get praised are the more ratchet or African, more ratchet representing African Americans. Where to me, like some of the classier ones, the ones that you need a little bit of mixture of both, but the ones who get put on the cover of Rolling Stones and, and all these magazines are the ratchet ones. Usually, not really the classy ones. And it's just, to me, watching this movie, I'm like, is this, you probably think this, and it's probably the kind of African American that is funny to you. 
and you're laughing at it because it is funny, but I'm also like, uh, it, I don't know. I just felt I felt black. I was aware of my blackness and not yeah, in a fun way. Right. Like the whole That's time you were watching this movie, you were like in the mindset of Dave Chappelle when he was doing that sketch with the like the with the chicken, the airplane. Him. No, it was it chi- was it chicken wings, and then he had like it, the minstrel on the on the shoulder or whatever it was. Yeah, it was it was the one that they actually, which is crazy. It's the sketch they freaking aired. They aired it. It was the one with him on the plane. It was he had to pick between fish and chicken, and the plane only had fried chicken, and he didn't want to get it. And it, yeah, I mean, yeah. And the thing is, I didn't purposely go into the movie feeling some kind of way, but like just that it, it was instant, bro. Instant. He, he had, had, wow. had had you seen it in a different in a different crowd who know who knows how you would have reacted right you know yeah if i, if I just saw the shit in harlem i'd have been like oh man i get that bro because we all because you know that everybody else gets it yeah right so yeah that makes sense but it was a good the thing is like, the scene was well done and it was weird but it was just like fuck <laughs> right because it was because you know what it was the well-to-do white people who were laughing right 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 the the the, the oh, allies yeah. that's totally... what made me uncomfortable <laughs> sorry 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 it was like uh yeah <laughs> It was. It was the allies. I know. I know. What you're you know what I mean? It's like, oh man, you know, I got. Come on, come on, come on. All right, all right. You know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. But I mean, it's, it's so basically, you know, we established the movie established like he, he gets this job as a telemarketer. He's desperate. He gets this job as a, t- a telemarketer. Uh, he's uh, Tessa Thompson is his girlfriend. He lives in a freaking uh, garage. Yeah. Uh, with a door that just op- opens. Yeah. Uh, uh, sporadically, uh, and then and then we also find out that he's living in the garage of his uncle Terry Crews, who's played by Terry Crews. Lakeith uh, Stanfield is such a weird performer, but then I've seen interviews with him where he's like equally as weird in real life, oh, yeah, and I'm yeah. I am so intrigued by this guy. Yeah, like yeah, Darius yeah. on Atlanta is such a weird guy. Yeah, Even yeah. in this movie where he plays the straight man. He is still weird. Oh, yeah. He yeah. I, and he's a straight a, man. There was a moment halfway through where, like, they do a, there's a shot of him, and you see he's just, like, kind of hunched over a little bit. And I just, I was immediately yeah. transported back to, like, my acting classes where they're always like, stand up straight. And I, and I, I realized that Lakeith Stanfield is always a curve. Like, he's always, like, he, I don't even think he knows yeah. how to stand up straight. Like, he's always angular somehow. <laughs> like, always hunched over. There's something going on every time you look at him. And I feel like that is his appeal. That's what makes him so interesting is he's so weird. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, man. He's, like, he's just fascinated me because it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, so, it, it's so cool to see an African-American get to do these weird parts. Like, he's the only one really doing weird. I mean, black, I mean, person of color-wise, he's the only one doing this weird-ass shit, and he gets away with it, and it's so cool to see. I mean, dog, Darius on Atlanta is, there was no way that character was written that goddamn weird. It wasn't. Like, there's no way. I mean, he does simple things on the show that's just, Ah, like I remember one scene where he talks about going to the strip club, but like I want to wear my white suit. They're like, you shouldn't want to wear a white suit to a strip club. And he just does something with his face, like, uh, like you know, when you see excitement, but it's just weird. And one of my friends was like, he went to the FX up front, up front with a ski mask on and put his hands up behind like the president of FX, like it was a gun, and people laughed because it's just how weird he is. He's yeah, you know, I love that. I mean, what a career! He's pot, he's in everything. Yeah, he's and he started, he started as an indie darling in Short Term 12, which was a thesis film. The kid got money, fired everyone else, and kept him in the main movie. <laughs> he's in so many movies, it's crazy. 
You know what I mean? It's great. It's great. But like, yeah, this scene was cool. I love that you had that. Like when he's on the uh, the guys, like, oh, your reference um, uh, for your reference at the bank. You should have made sure he didn't say this is whatever, bitch. And then it happened to me, Jermaine Fowler, who worked at the goddamn place. <laughs> like that. I, I will say this: this movie needed more Jermaine Fowler. Oh, okay. I, I I do. I like. There were certain moments where I, like huh. things were funny. But I was like, ooh, Jermaine could have broken up even more. And there was one big situation where Jermaine Fowler is, you could tell he's doing jokes and maybe it was done in post, but he's not on camera. You just hear his voice and he's just giving you jokes. And I'm like, right. damn, I wish I could have saw him deliver those jokes. Because mm. um, I thought when they like, I thought when they had those moments, like one of my favorite scenes, which we get to, is like him having a, they're fighting, but it's compliments. Oh my God, that's. Uh, so and it goes good. on for so Incredible. long. It's it goes so on for good. so Incredible. long. Oh, it's Perfect so scene. funny. <laughs> it's and and no one breaks. No one breaks. And that's that's one of the scenes where like I've watched a lot of Kevin Hart movies and I love Kevin Hart. But Kevin Hart after a while will give you a smirk when you know like he's fighting to keep it together. Same with The Rock sometimes. And it's like, nah, man, these dudes were like in it. it I, I thought it was fucking great. It's funny because Jermaine actually, it, he, his stand-up is him always smiling and laughing at himself. So yeah. for him to not break he didn't in break. that moment is actually really impressive. Yeah. I thought it was great. I, go ahead, James. No, no, go ahead. No, I was saying like even after when he when he gets the job, goes in for the first day, like he's not doing well. Uh, and we talk about this a lot as black people, the, the art of code switching. Mm-hmm. And I just learned that term recently. I remember my uncle just told me like black people had to speak two different languages. You know, had to talk depending on where you're from. Talk around your mans, and then talk around white folk. And when he's struggling, and Danny Glover tells him, you got to use your white voice. First of all, we can't just skip past the fact what? that Danny Glover just shows, <laughs> shows up. Yeah. It's, to me, the first absurd thing that happens in this movie. Before he even says the, the next absurd thing, that's the thing that transports the movie, it's like him, him just being there. I was like... Why? What's going on? Why is there I'm, this old man? Old dude, only old person. Literal, in it. a magical Negro in yep. the movie, straight up. Uh, in the movie of black people, like it's yeah. so funny, and it was so cool because even before Danny Glover talks, like uh, oh, the the call, him dropping in. Yeah, like, I thought that was very interesting. Like he's dropping in on the dinner table, people having sex, and it's just, it was such a cool way to do that yeah, yeah. I, I mean think about it I, I don't know if Boots Riley I mean he directed it as well right and he yeah, he, it, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know if when he first wrote that script if he was thinking oh I'm going to drop him into the actual rooms of the people he's calling cold calling but that cinematic choice made it one more interesting but two so much funnier and it, and it really allowed you to get a sense of this is hard. This is like a really hard job because here are all the different things people are doing when you call them, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you get to see it. And also what's better than just having like cuts back and forth is put him in it. But also when he was struggling, it was this cool shot of him, the camera's head on, and behind him is a big window to the copy room. Yeah. And for some reason, the copier is just going nuts. <laughs> and it just slowly and slowly, as he gets more frustrated, it just keeps going insane. At one point, it's literally just paper yeah. shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, and 
It's absurd. It's absurd. And I'm like, why? <laughs> There's why? no the thing about the yeah. dropping in that I enjoyed so much, and t- talking about like how this movie is so weird and how it leans into like how it's sort of setting up a very weird thing to come is. I like that when it happens, it's not just that he's like from the trailer. When you watch the trailer, like it, it, it looks like it's like, oh, that's a cool convention. We're going to see him inside the homes of the people that he's talking to. But but in the world of the, the movie, we see Lakeith reacting to the shaking of the of the table and feeling it and even acknowledging it he says like what the f-? he says something like when it when it <laughs> yeah, first happened yeah. so, so but th- but then it's like not addressed so it's like is he really going there you know like <laughs> he's I thought right, he was actually right, going right. to these places which i which i will say just to sprinkle it in when you said James this movie was always going there i'm kind of like here is like a little bit of evidence of yeah that's true this movie was always going there because it already started playing with your concept of reality and what was yeah. real and what was not. Yeah. So when the twist comes, you're at first like, this can't be real. And then you're like, wait, wait, hold on. This is real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the movie's been playing with this like, oh, there are these things that are happening that aren't actually happening, but like they kind of are happening. Right. This was a black person doing, James, we, I think you used to watch the show too. It was on FX called Man Seeks Woman. Which was so bizarre. For instance, on the pilot, on the pilot, uh, he gets set up on a blind date, and uh, he goes, he's recounting it to his uh, sister, and he's, yeah, I was on a date with a troll, and it comes back to the date, and it's an actual troll, and it's just never addressed, and we get to see that kind of stuff in this movie, like Danny Glover. I mean, yeah, Danny Glover talking about the white voice, and just the he's like, no, it's not nasally. I ain't talking about that. Right. Like, I ain't talking about it. What he says is he, so he real. Said, he also said, like, he said, you got to use a white voice. I'm not talking Will Smith white voice. Which is real, though. Which is real. Which just means friendly black man. Yeah, he was like, no, no, no. I mean, you need to sound like an actual mm-hmm. white person. And the thing that's so interesting, and I'm happy to, a lot of times, uh, uh, like, Keith Steinfeld speaks, if you, I mean, he has a white sounding voice. And even comments yeah. on, like, oh, I already sound white. Like, on Atlanta, if you watch Atlanta, he sounds different than every single person on that, on that show. Right, right. And in this, though, it's so interesting how Danny Glover describes the white voice. The white voice is carefree. The white voice is, he said one line that literally, this is when I got loud and no one else did. He goes, he's like, no, man, it has to be carefree, more breezy. You're about to go play squash when you get off work. You didn't get fired. You got laid off. And I was like, nigga! Like, because in my mind, that's how that shit tr- happens. Like, right. I, and again, I'm not, drugs are bad. But when I think about how America talks about this opioid epidemic, epidemic right. versus how they treated fucking uh, crack cocaine, yeah. it is insane. I just watched a documentary on the last end. I'm like, yeah, it's terrible. But oh. also, I'm like, you're showing me these little kids in brick houses and these middle-aged families. Like, wait, I remember what again, I remember two covers. I will never forget it. I remember the covers of the time, like the Time magazine, and it was back in the day. I remember it. Matter of fact, you can still Google it. And it was just a fucking crack. It was like crack is and it looked fucking sad. Yeah. But they showed this goddamn opioid, and it was like a kid crying on a white pick, like, a, like it was a brick rich house. I'm like, yo, how he describes it is literally the switch that America and society in general just does to black people. Yeah. You didn't get fired, you got laid off. No, nigga, you was fired too. It's crazy. Right. Oh, my, that, that right there, bro. Oh, and everybody was quiet. Ain't nobody fucking laugh at that shit. Oh, no my one God. cheered my that fucking line. We were rolling during no that one. monologue. 
<laughs> no, literally, literally, people were like listening in my theater, but no one cried. I was the only one who laughed at that shit. That's interesting. It was my That's theater. Telling. It was crazy. You know, <laughs> that, that makes me think of. Uh, I just started watching uh, Dear White People season two, and there's a there's one scene where like there's a a white girl trying to figure out if she's racist. She's talking to Coco, and Coco's like, <laughs> she like tells her like whatever and then the, the end of it the white girl goes oh my god i'm a terrible person and then coco's like i'm gonna keep having this meeting and then the white girl's like can i just stay and listen like she like just wants to stay and like soak in what's going on that was what was happening for your theater your theater was going, yeah my theater was learning <laughs> your theater was going yeah. oh this is okay this is they're right like they're like <laughs> they were having internal like uh existential uh reflection oh i do i mean i don't know if you guys do it like when I, if i have to call someplace for for work or if i am trying to say i'm calling the airplane like the the airline and i'm trying to you know handle a certain situation my voice definitely doesn't sound like this it doesn't i i i i, rem, I would never get i remember my uncle, like my, he's not my uncle, but my cousin called my uncle. When I was younger, we were playing around and I hurt my leg. And they were trying to like call the ambulance. And he called, ambulance didn't come, right? And we were kind of on the borderline of like the rich area and man, projects of DC. And he called back and his wife got the phone or fiance at the time and did like a white woman voice. Mm-hmm. Bruh. And I don't maybe maybe it's one of those things where like you know what is it what's the word when you you see certain things and then when it happens to you you're like oh so it is real it, oh like, confirmation bias. yeah I'm like I don't know what it was but that cop was there so quick I had an ambulance they gave me like a fucking lollipop it was crazy and she did the white voice <laughs> I would never forget her doing the white voice I think she even I think she even changed her name uh uh she even said her name was Lisa Stacy or some shit like that it was crazy it was crazy yeah yeah. Uh, I've seen you. Yeah, I've definitely seen you use the white. Oh, I would. I do it nonstop. I mean, I, I think you, about this a lot. I think about this a lot too, because, like, I mean, everyone can hear my voice right now, so it mm-hmm. it, it it is what it is. Um, but I've been thinking specifically about like how my voice got to be how it is uh, compared to like everyone in my in my family. It's very different. Like, like I've been. I've been programming myself to just have a white voice. Like, like, like I've oh, just, I, my whole life been sort of like d- constructing a manner of speaking that is like always going to. And then even now, like I have like a, I, I like to like sit in the higher end of my register instead of like being any lower than that. It's crazy. Dude, I, I practice it so much. I can tell you, I can tell you what happened to me. I came to New York for an internship. And I was the only black dude, and the other, the other. The, sorry, it was a it was a black guy who worked there, and I used to come in like fit had some boots, and he goes, "Hey man, like I'm from the same place you are. You may just want to check how you act here." He's like, "Cause you know people get scared of certain things." Um, and I remember that day, my voice changed. The clothes I wore changed so much so that every time I went back home, my boys would like make fun of me. And it's so interesting. I was in college. My teacher gave me diction classes and tried to strip away certain inflections, which needed to happen. And now because I'm black and being, you know, we audition and yeah, I'm, you know, a lot of things I audition for you are hood shit to get the, to get the black voice back right. to going back to acting class and undoing everything just to sound what is quote unquote black again. Right. So it's like this right. constant right. juggle that you're doing of, wait, I, I, you sound too white right. for this role. It's like, ah, but wait, ah, 
Yeah. Like, just make it deeper. Uh, it, it's just yeah. a weird world. So I love that this movie played with that a lot. So uh, we also have the, yeah, the, we also have the introduction of uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead, uh, Steve, <laughs> comes in and he is kind of commiserating with Lakeith and saying, yeah, man, this, this, just, this job sucks. You know, we need I think to get he, right. We need to hit. He was a he was a union uh, a union guy. Yeah, he was a he was an organizer, and he was like, "We got to unionize. Like that's the only way to do it is if we all band together." Mm-hmm. And I think that Keith was like at first kind of I don't honestly. This is <laughs> the one thing about Lakeith's acting is that because he's so weird, I never know what his character wants. Yeah. Like, his character is always so mysterious, so I don't even know if this was the intention, but I, I could not read. I was like, how is he? I couldn't read how he was reacting yeah. to Steve. I was like, does he want this? Does he not? Like, does he yeah. already think this is weird? Does he, like, want to be left alone, or is he excited by it? See, but yeah. this is... But it was played for humor, too. Yeah. Right? Like, there were all these weird pauses. But, like, I think James touched on it before, and I think you did too, John. Like, this movie touches on so many different things that it, it, was, it, was, it was a lot when you unpack this movie. Like, to me, this is one of those things where, I, I think we've talked about it before, someone has to bite the bullet to help the majority, right. right? You know, if, as a black person, if you were to speak out against something, now you have a target on you. You know, like, right. I just went to the Civil Rights Museum in Atlanta, and you... And it was hard to go through the museum because the African American Museum shows you everything in the um, black diaspora, yeah. like the good, the bad. Whereas this, when you're dealing about the civil rights, which is what less than seventy years ago, it's all bad. Almost most of our leaders were killed, and no one was arrested, right? Yes. And, and, <laughs> and I'm looking at this movie, and yeah, maybe that maybe that conflict you're talking about is I like that. That is you can't tell because if he does help, he finally got a job that right. he's good at, right? At this point, he's he's getting good, uh, getting good at it. And it's like, yeah, I want to help everybody else out, but I just got, I just finally felt what my calling is, and do I want to give that up to help everyone else out? I mean, I think about that all the time right. when you think about black films. Like, we talk about how Steven Spielberg and everyone else will bend over backwards to help out every, like, to help out directors, but not think about how often we hear, I'm sure it happens, how often we hear about African Americans do the same, and it's like, can they? What happens if they do? You know what I mean? Like, what happens if Will Smith was to go out? What happened if The Rock was to make a movie from, say, from here on out, and all of his wives were um, black? Would that, what would that do to his brand? Would he be? Would he now? Yes, he's helping out more black women, and it's, it looks better for us as people of color to see big budget movies with black people up there. But you know, I'm looking at Skyscraper, and he's back to Nev Campbell being his wife. Like it's. It's that give and take, and well, it's and, interesting. And it's also specifically the fight against the people in power. So it feels like in, like in this kind of storyline, Steve saw that he was unhappy with his job because he wasn't making money. Uh, um, and, and he was like, look, man, this is, it's all a scam. Like, even if you go up there, like, it, they don't, they're never going to care about you. The only way we can get benefits for all of us is if we unionize and he's kind of selling him on this idea and he's kind of like apprehensive. I think for like you actually just said, it would be interesting. Like he's apprehensive because he doesn't want a target on his back. And then when he's doing successful, that is the case even more. So he's like, I really don't want this because it's like, look, if I'm doing this, then you guys, you know, 
like I can lose this job and I'm doing great and this is all I have. Like I don't want to yeah. lose what I have. And it it is kind of interestingly, even though Lakeith is black in this movie, and we could talk about like what that means for black black people in their communities, it also can act as a surrogate for allies, like you're saying, uh, and kind of a, a critique and a criticism on performative allyship, meaning, yes, it's all good and well for you to be like, I'm an ally, I care about this, but then when you go home to Thanksgiving and your parents start saying something racist and you don't say anything because now it's going to cost you something. So mm-hmm. it's like, where are you really with us? You know what I mean? Like, you can say that, but the fact of the matter is, like, with Steve, with, with, with Glenn, <laughs> yeah. with all of those people there, they ha- and, 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 and it's an interesting critique, too, because it's like, they actually have to do this. They have to do this because they're in it they're not going to get anything better. The only way for them to survive is for them to band together to demand something greater. They need to. They need each other. They need to do this fight no matter what. They don't have a choice. They have to do this fight, mm-hmm. right? That's like minorities in this in this country, or you know, oppressed groups. You have to. We need to fight this no matter what. With yeah. allies or not, we don't have a choice. Allies have a choice, and sometimes those people can be like, "I'm going to be with you in this fight, even though." I don't need to be here because I can still actually be kind of nice and good by myself. Or I can be like, you know what? I'm also going to risk the things that I have because you don't have them either and that's not right. Which is a, that's like a whole theme that's happening in one of the storylines, which is so interesting. But it's, but there's so much. It's so much. Wait, one of the other things I want to talk about is the thing that's happening in the background, but it's so rich Hmm. and it comes into play later. But what's happening in the background, that's, there's no real scene for it, but we're seeing, like, the videos uh, and, like, commercials of this thing called, like, it's like... I, oh, wait, wait, what wait. Was wait it I, almost, I almost bought a t-shirt. I, I literally, I, I've been, I was on the website to get... <laughs> I just got, was it, I just got my ass kicked. Is that the name of the TV show? Um, oh, okay. There's two things. Is that what, you, is that what you're talking about? No, no, I wasn't talking about that. There's the reality show, I just got my ass kicked. <laughs> and then there's also commercials oh, yes. for yes. this, like... Essentially, worry free, worry free, which is a program, uh, 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 a work. Yeah, it's like basically like a retirement home. It's like you you work there, you don't have to worry about paying rent, clothes, because you work and you have a place to stay. You work at it's like a commune. So here's the thing: one, this kind of thing actually happens in China, right? Wait, does it? Yes. So one of those things is like employee, like corporations. There's certain corporations in China; they have. They have spaces for you to live. It's, it's very similar. It's like you, there's not that much living space. They're all kind of like stacked together in these like, you know, like, oh, I mean, because it's communism. This is communism. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's yeah. the dark side of, it's, it's the, which is interesting. It's the thing people are scared of. It's the thing that people are scared of, which is interesting, by the way, because this film is also a huge critique against capitalism, but it also has this thing, worry-free, of this kind of uh, scary communist thing of like oh look we pay for your food and your house and your lodging and 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 whatever you don't have to worry about anything you just come work for us and you're free to live and then you kind of realize these people are like slaves yeah like it's slave labor can i tell you something that's so wild yeah so i'm on i'm sorry to bother you's website because i'm like oh man whatever what kind of merch they have a merch section i'm Uh like oh what is this 
tell me why they're selling Cash's car. So if you have $23,000, you can buy the car. (laughs) It's an actual car. $23,000? like. Which car? The, the, the crappy the, the, car, the, right? The, the, the crappy car. The, crap, the one and only Definitely Cash's the green Toyota Tercel. Um, <laughs> get a buddy on windshield wiper oh duty. Oh, my God. This is the actu- windshield wipers. It's, a, it's an actual car. It drives. And just wait. Look in the ashtray. There's 40 cents for gas. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? What yo, is this? Yo, real talk, real quick. They're in the rain, and he's... They get the windshield wipers on. Just they're on a string, and they have to pull them back and forth. Realest shit of all time. Realest shit. That was hilarious. There's so much little detail like that. What did you guys think about Worry Free and and the reality show? Well, well, this is my thing about it. This okay. Certain things are happening now in pop culture that are terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Idiocracy, thinking this will never happen. A reality TV, because uh, Terry, oh, Terry Crews Terry plays Cruz a wrestler yeah. Yeah. slash reality TV star mm-hmm. who becomes president. Yeah. Donald Trump wrestled in the WWE. Yeah. yeah. And won. He won this match. He, yeah. did, he did like a running elbow. Yeah. He had two matches, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And now he's president. And he was, the thing about Terry is he was stupid. The whole point is, Perfect. in the future, people become so stupid. And I'm looking at Trump. And he defends he he defends himself for that he can't spell certain words right, and that's not the point of his tweets, right? He's clearly not a smart man. Not a smart man. But then I was looking about movies, uh, movies for example, um, The Purge. Eh. Uh, pr- first Purge. The, the first Purge. Who do they target? People of color. No one gives a shit, and the government is doing it. Okay, getting kind of scary. Whatever, right? I look at movies, Handmaid's Tale. All right, uh, President Trump will now put two Supreme Court justices in office. Theoretically speaking, uh, Mike Pence said abortion will end in our lifetime. There's a lot of things happening to women right now. Okay, I'm going to leave that alone. All right. And I'm looking at this movie, and reality shows are so big now. There's a reality show for everything. Mm-hmm. There, will be, there will be in our lifetime a reality show of people just getting their ass with. Right. It, it is the next version of American Ninja Warrior. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, there is already kind of a version of that. Yeah. It's like you have, you have a lot of these like competition things where people are i mean there was one called wipeout it was called yeah. wipeout yeah it, and it was just about i mean the point was people to fail for people to fail and get wiped out and for us to laugh at them i mean i think it, i think it's something interesting to that and I also the whole worry free because money is very tight for i mean not even people in just the midwest but in these sanctuary cities as well people gonna be looking for options soon like i mean our lifetime we won't Unless we really save, we won't be able to do what our parents theoretically would be able to do. Mm-hmm. We won't have. I, I think. I think these things, even as silly as they sound, there will be a version of it. Right, and that's terrifying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like it. It definitely felt like when when they were both introduced. Right. It felt like, oh yeah, this is an alternate. This is an alternate reality. Um, uh, and it felt like, you know, like a, an introduction to like, Ooh, it's a little, it's a little weird, but, um, uh, but it's, it doesn't feel far from anything that could be done. Right. And like, you know, and like, even though every time they show, they, they showed worry free, it didn't look like the people that were participating 
were doing anything against their will. It seemed like they all wanted to to be there, and it and uh, though something was a bit off with with every person, you know, there was like something weird right. behind their eyes. Um, it seemed like everyone was doing it uh, uh, on their own uh, derision, which was I I, I mean. Which was cool and 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 interesting to see, um, and I like the way that I like the way that it builds. Like I like how I like how it starts to it converges into into one thing. It like feels separate, but then I love the way that it converges. Yeah, man. Also, it's so interesting because it's. I mean, dude, we're so close. I mean, we're so. I mean, we're so close to having a show where people get the shit, like physically beat the shit out of. Like we are. I mean, I think think about Fear Factor. Fear Factor is making people eat cow testicles and weird shit just for whatever, just for kicks. Think about, and I do watch it, so I'm not. I'm not gonna pretend like I don't. But I watch uh, uh, UFC, and that's just brawling. That is literally someone taking their barefoot and smashing it into your head in a cage. Yeah, yeah or even brutal. like, and even like, um, this isn't the same thing, but like all of those, all of those prank videos that like I like that for whatever reason I don't seek out, but then now I'm ten YouTube videos in, and like <laughs> each one I'm like I'm looking at people essentially being tortured, right? Like they're being, like no, no, none of those people asked for this. <laughs> Um, uh, they're all in, in uncomfortable position and like, sometimes I'm like, oh, and then that guy got hit. That guy got punched in the face for doing a dumb prank or whatever. Um, uh, and for, for whatever reason I'm, I'm still watching. I can't, I can't turn away. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. We can move on. Yeah. Like, we can so, talk about that all day. Okay. And then, I mean, do you want to talk about Jermaine? Cause he, I, I, his character is like, he's a, he's like the best friend kind yeah. of, right. And he. He also works at this telemarketer place now, and uh, he sees his other his he sees the key kind of rising up with this white person mm-hmm. voice. Uh, but he's like he's super into the the union thing as well. He kind of feels like he's not the brains, but he's like the passion of it. Yeah. Like I personally think you needed more of his character because because I understand that Lakeith was supposed to be the straight man and a window into the world. I don't think he, I don't think he is because Lakeith as a performer is already odd. Right. Um, he's already odd. So you have an odd world with odd things, but the only person <laughs> who's... an odd character. Yeah, with an odd character. So to me, the only That's thing that true. seemed stable was him, was, was Jermaine because Jermaine was passionate, but very early on, Jermaine is hanging um, when they go out to eat uh, at a bar, Jermaine's like, oh, I've been in there a bunch of times. Cash goes in, hates it. Jermaine just looks at him like, oh, that's weird. Uh, as as Cash is getting better and better using the white words at work, he's literally dancing, high-fiving the white people. Right. And you see Jermaine's face every single time. He's not happy about it at first. you know. And he even says, dude, they said to me when I first got here. you know. And it didn't feel like he said it out right. of jealousy. It felt like, dude, they said that to me too. Right. Like, don't get caught up in this, right? And also, he felt like a person who genuinely gave a shit about helping everyone else. So to me, it would have been very interesting to see if we had more of Jermaine. Because to me, even Tessa, Tessa Thompson was weird as well. So there was I mean, no... Was super strange. Super weird. So to me, to understand that what is happening to Cash is weird, we needed to see someone else in the real world to react to the weirdness as well. Because like, it's just two weirds don't make it. You know, it's like two weirds is just more weird. That is something. Well, 
Also, I thought Jermaine Lakeith wasn't in this. If there was a different actor in this, and it wasn't Lakeith, yeah, and yes, like what if it was like a Daniel Kaluuya? I mean, that's so it would have been. It would have been different movie. Yeah, better movie. I think. I think. I think if it would have been, and this is no distinct Lakeith. I think he's great, but I think because Lakeith as a human being is already like off center. If it was uh, a Daniel, it would have been more ground. It would have been like Get Out, and Get Out. There's so much weird shit is happening, but just the looks that Daniel gives. He's noticing, just as we are, something's not right. Whereas Lakeith, you're looking at it and you're going, does he want to do this thing? Does this bother him? Like, like you said, for instance, like, does he want to help with the protest? Does he, like... Yeah. And I, I don't think, think it was... I don't, I don't know. I think there's something charming to the fact that he's so weird, though. I mean, like, I guess what I'm saying is it didn't bother me that he was so weird and didn't have, mm-hmm. a, didn't have a buffer. Um, I li- I did also... But I did like that Jermaine felt like a more grounded character um, uh, than than most of the others. Like, even, you know, like, even... Well, no, I guess maybe not than, than most, right? Like, like Tessa w- Thompson was weird, um, uh, and Lakeith was weird, I, and... I guess and Steve that, was kind of straight. Was, was that who? Glenn. Yeah, yeah, yeah Glenn and was. He was kind of straight, and then and so was um and the, and so was Jermaine. But like, it didn't seem like their purpose there was to was to be straight men characters. And I and I guess technically neither was Lakeith. Like they were like, you know, he does participate. They both participate in the compliment fight, uh, and it is supposed to. We are supposed to read this as a real um, fight that they're having. Uh, but it's like it's yeah, definitely in that, another world, um, Brad. That fight was one of the funniest so things. I've seen. So basically, what happens is Lakeith is doing this white voice. He's so good at it. He's making all these calls. They finally uh, the uh, Steve's character organizes Squeeze. That's his name. Squeeze organizes like the union thing. They all do it. Who Squeeze? That's his. That's Glenn. I don't know yeah, that dude. Glenn, I know Glenn. Glenn. I okay, so, I'm about to say. Who's so squeezed? they all stand up and they're like, you know, screw you, uh, F. What's the company's name? Um, uh, Riverview. Yeah, and they're, they're just like F. F. You guys, we're on strike, and the and the bosses are like, no, and they're calling people into the office to interview them. So they call Lakeith in. They sit him down, and they're like. They're like, uh, you're get, out of get, here. Get man. your stuff. You're out of here. And he's like, f you, f you, f you. <laughs> you can't force me to do this. You can't. Yeah. And then they're like, no, no, you idiot. Like, you're going upstairs. You made it. You're going to the top floor. Pew. Power caller. Power caller. And what's so uh, interesting about this scene, Gabriel though, Lant is so funny. This movie, by the way. Who's that? Who's that? She's the white. Oh, the white. Oh, oh. I was just about to bring her up. Yo, this. Her switch into liking this dude was so quick, and it's one of those things that black women, I, I feel like a lot of my black women friends talk about this all the time, where it's like, oh, yeah, you make a little money, all of a sudden the white women love you. She instantly started loving this right. dude. I'm talking about his ugly ass suit that he has on the next scene, he loves all of it. Oh, it's so funny. What's her name? Kate, do you know her? Kate Berlant. Uh, I've met her, but I, I don't know her. She, but she's in the comedy community. She does characters. Oh, that, man. Yeah, she used to be out here, but she's in LA now. Uh, uh so good. So, so good in this. And she, um, 
yeah, she just has like she her and Jermaine, I just felt like the two of them were just constantly turning out jokes. Like it was so great. Uh and and uh anyway, so he gets he he gets the go, you know, there's like this really funny scene in the elevator with the passcode and it's like so super, super long. And then you have Rosario Dawson who's playing like the voice. The voice on the elevator that's like, I hope you didn't jerk off today. We need to top shape. He gets to the top floor. He has to talk in his white voice all the time there. And that's where you have the dude from Power, Omari. What was his name? Mr. What? He didn't say it. Every yeah, time they Mr. said his name, it Mr. was bleep. And then it would be the censor's noise. <laughs> like, And what was the point of that? I never understood I never it. understood it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, what? Because I've only seen that in one other movie, uh, uh, Layer Cake with uh, Daniel Craig. His character never has a name. So much so, when they um, roll the credits, it just says X. And then, like, Daniel Craig. Like, it won't have... And the thing is, even when um, Army Hammer says his name, he still bleeps it. Still bleeps it. Like, what the yeah. fuck? I, I don't... But then what was, cool, what was cool, I think I think all of that came together for me when, when he finally talks to uh, Lakeith... Uh, and tells him like to go voice. and meet Army Hammer. He says, "All right, Young Blood," and he drops into his uh, regular voice. But he says, "Young Blood." I don't know what their differences in age uh, are. If it, if it is that great, if it is so great that he would say Young Blood to him or not. But like suddenly he's just like ageless and older. You know what I mean? Like like, like that was cool. Like he doesn't have he doesn't have a name, and then also like maybe he's a million years old. You know, like. I thought that was well, cool. Well, I guess I get it because I, like, Cam, my friend Cameron is probably five years younger than me. Actually, no, yeah, he's probably like nine years younger. And I still, I, I refer to him, like, as a young person. So I'm thinking the same probably in age-wise with them, at least six or seven years. Yeah, I think yeah but young. young. But also. You call him young blood, though? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, w- I mean, that's probably just a say. I mean, yeah. What do I call him? Yeah, I do call him, like, youngin. I call him a youngin. <laughs> I definitely do. I call him a little youngin. But when I think about, I just saw him today on my you, way over here. Did you? Yeah. Where was he at? He was on the on the train on the. Oh, I love that kid. Uh, uh, we will have to review his movie soon. Um, um, what was it? Uh, it was interesting because when he the scene James is talking about when he skips ahead is that he's referencing the un- like how uncomfortable certain situations are. He's like, man, you ain't got time for that. He gives him like a pep talk, like, hey, this is what it is. You know, like you want to make it, you got to do these things. And it's so casual that I'm like, damn, it was kind of cool to have that moment. Um, And basically he is, when he gets there, he's selling black market He's selling stuff. people. He's selling people. Uh, he's literally selling, what is it? They even say it's like work slavery. What is it? What did he say? It's the, it's the worry-free people. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're selling people. Like straight up selling people. Uh which, He's working for worry free, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what one of his yeah indirectly to sell people, and he was great at it, and he was great uh, at it. He like finds out, like he finds out he's, he's like I can't do this, and then they he's then they like show him how much money he's going to be making, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna need a yeah, I'm gonna need to get more suits. <laughs> I'm gonna need to get more suits, and uh, and so throughout this, Tessa Thompson is with him, but. Jermaine and Steve kind of like break away from him because he's like not a part of their thing anymore. He's selling out. They're like, well, you're selling out. And so they have this interesting scene with him and Tessa Thompson, or Tessa Thompson's like, like, I don't know why you're doing this. And he's like, he's like, whatever. Like, 
They work for the same company. The same company is doing all of this. They're just arguing for like more pay, but like I get the pay. Like what? Like I, and he definitely goes, I finally found something I'm good I at. I finally found something I'm good at. You had at. yours. He's like, you have yours already. Because he even commented very early on. Like, you have what you want to do. You're an artist. And you, you sell have. art. And then he also says, like, you sell art to freaking rich white people. Like, you're yeah. selling art to the same people. Like, you're making your money off these people. Mm-hmm. What? What's the difference? Which I, I really liked that. And I actually was kind of annoyed that they never brought that back up. Mm-hmm. And we have to talk about Cesar Thompson's character. I mean, do, yeah. should we just talk about it right yeah, now? I, like, yeah, you go first. How, James, how do y'all feel about her? In this movie, like her character, her, I mean, I mean, her oh, okay, character. for yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, here's my. I actually think Tessa Thompson's. I that this is the part of the movie that I like the least is Tessa Thompson's character, and mm-hmm. it's because uh, I don't, I don't understand, and this is what I'm talking about. Like, I don't understand where this movie's coming from. I don't understand because it seems like she's supposed to be the heart, like. I feel like she's supposed to have the thing that we're like, like, yeah, we're with her. But I don't know where she, I don't know her morality. I don't know what, I don't know what she thinks is right and wrong. Like what she's willing and not willing to do because she's saying all this stuff. But why wouldn't she, why would she, why is she the last person leaving? It seems like she would be the first. I don't understand their relationship necessarily. Like, I guess they're just super in love. But it never seemed like that. It, it was weird. You have this weird three-way, yeah. this like Which, love triangle that never really materializes. It's just like why a little bit, and then like he, she sleeps with him. I think we're supposed to believe that. No, she said it did everything but every. They did everything but. Well, what is that? I mean, okay, so is so. But does that mean they jerked each other off? Like, yeah. like so whatever. Like, so she has like a sexual relationship with him in mm-hmm. some capacity. And then it's just not dealt with, like, and she doesn't think that there's anything wrong with that. Which is like, uh, okay, so what? What do? You, what is your relationship with Lakeith? Then why are you with him? Why do you yeah. like him? Like, I don't. I I never understood why she, what she what wanted from him. I never should what she wanted for herself. Like, she liked to be a disruptor, but then was it a disruptor for? Was there an actual goal? Because you know, I feel like. They had Steve's character set up like he had a very like, this is what we're going to do. Like, this is what we can control. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to get. Here's my structure. You know, I'm going to fight against the man, but I want a specific goal. And I feel like she was maybe supposed to be kind of more like the Occupy Wall Street kind of aspect of it of like or social justice warrior of where you're like they're disrupting. But to what end? You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like they're disrupting to piss people off. And then. But there's no definitive thing that they're aiming towards, and I didn't know if that was if there. But there was never really a critique on her character. No, I mean, it's interesting you say that, uh, James. Wait, you're about to say something. Do you? Yeah, how do and, you... I, and I kept expecting, um, like every time she had a new set of earrings, the camera would like pan into the uh, zoom into them and like right. sit on them for like thirty seconds and. It made you think like that they were messages that were going to directly uh, correlate to something that happened in the movie, and I and I don't know that that, that ever happened, um, and so that was something that I was like, oh, what? Um, but I like that she sort of existed in this um, somewhat uh, uh, not not morally gray, but in in a gray in a gray area where 
She definitely had her beliefs, but then at times they were questionable. Um, because that goes back to the thing I was saying before, where like, you know, no one per no one person was right, right? Like, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Well, I mean, it was, was interesting. Steve wrong? Like, I don't think I. I'm gonna tell you this movie. This Tessa Thompson's character was difficult for me because I don't. It's hard. Every time we see these movies and it's a black male lead, even if it's written by a black man, I don't think they do the black women justice. I really don't. I don't think she cha- like. I don't think she challenged him in the way where again, yeah, you saw where she was coming from. It was basically, oh, they're selling people. That's wrong. Totally get that right. But I didn't get her motivation for her art. Like you said, she just. I feel like they didn't give her enough to we could discover who she was. But maybe that was the point. I, it was hard because it seemed like she was just there for him to like to be a sounding board and 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 But then I was like I mean, why her have her big thing was her art her performance piece? Yeah. Right? Like that was important to her. But, uh, but then I was like why have her hook up with the guy? You know, like I like I, I don't know. I was like why yeah, why have her do that thing? It just felt unnecessary. I don't know. It just felt like that she is just a Tessa Thompson is such a great actress that I just wish they would have gave her a little bit more to do because yeah she had the cool earrings and stuff I, I don't know I just felt like friends I've seen you and Tessa interact you know what I mean like I I know she would challenge you in a certain way I know most of the black women we know mm-hmm. will like they will challenge you which is beautiful it's but it's so, like they didn't it didn't it, I think it it was the weirdest thing because when we first see her she seems like She's super, like, first of all, she has two jobs. She's a sign twirler, which she likes to do, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would she be doing that job? It's like a job that you think people don't want to do. But it seems like she likes to do it. And then, like, Steve Young <laughs> winds up being, that he had that job, too, and he's really good at it. That's how they, they have, like, a little connection. But she also sells art. And then she's a performance artist as well. Mm-hmm. And she uses her body as performance art as well. We also see a scene with her, you know, dressing up, like, like wearing a mask and everything and, like, do spray paint, right? Like, and, like, almost gets caught but then runs away. And, like, so she's, like, she's an anarchist. She's an anarchist. She's a fighting against the system. So it feels weird that when his friends turn against him, that she wasn't the first one to do that. Like, she wasn't the first one to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. And we see, don't see her really challenge him until she finds out that he's doing the, the, the worry-free stuff, which, like... Yeah, which is like, wouldn't you wonder why he has that? Like, she was there the whole time he's getting picked. Like, he has a and brand new car. he says that to her. Like, yeah, you're with me like, riding you're around. You're with me. We're in the car where you have this nice apartment. Like, you didn't say anything. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, what, yeah, yeah, right. what did she think he was, you know? So... Uh. Anyway, but no, man, that's that yeah. was difficult. It's just it like I don't difficult. think they did. I I personally don't think they did our character. Well, I just don't. I, and then I, they get back together. And the thing is, I will say this: I do respect, well, not respect, but I do understand. <laughs> when she goes, "Do you want to know who it was?" He's like, "No, I don't want to know." Yeah, she's like, "You don't want to know who it is?" No. I was literally talking to uh uh my friend today, and, and we were discussing things. He's like, "Would you ever want to know?" I was like, "No." 
I, I like I wouldn't. I know. I, I was like, I, I agree. Like, I, I don't need, I don't know. I agree. Like, if it's done, it's done. You know what I mean? If it's done, it's done. Cool. I don't need to know about it. And, you know? Like, you can keep, you know. Uh, so I thought that was cool, but wait, are we at the, are we, we at are, the twist? We are. So we get to the thing, and he's, so he's basically, you know, his, his friends have left him, his girlfriend is starting to leave him, uh, He's summoned, you know, he goes to this, oh, yeah, there's a whole performance art that she does, but then, like, you know, he sees her getting, like, batteries thrown at her, so he wants to stop it, and she's like, get out of here, I don't need you uh, protecting me, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Then, so he goes to this party uh, that he's invited to, and, you know, Army Hammer, this is where we, he meets Army Hammer, who is the creator, the founder of Worry Free. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have even this, the, the moment where, you know, he's like, oh, like, tell, <laughs> well, we have a moment where he's sitting down and literally everybody is sitting around him. All white people except for the All one. white people and then maybe like one Asian person, one Asian girl oh, or yeah, something. Maybe. And then they're like, and they're all like, Sitting around him, like as if, like, like he's the entertainer. Tell me a story. And he literally says, "Tell like, me a story." Tell or, oh, was it? No, have you ever gotten a fight or something like that? And he talks about, like, right? He's like, "Tell me, like, some, like about." Basically, he's like, "Tell me about living in the hood." Like, he wants to hear something like ratchet or like ghetto. Uh, he's like, "I mean, no, there's nothing. I got it. Like, there has to be something." I bet you rap. I bet you rap. I bet you or rap. I, I don't. I actually I do don't. Rap. All right, you rap. I listen to it, but I don't. You know, I don't like it. You right. rap. And he had everyone chanting rap. Rap. rap oh, rap. my heart. Which I was like, oh, man, I can, oh, oh, man, how many sweet 16s did I go to where people were like, dance, dance, dance. Oh, man. My heart. My heart. Was, I was like, oh, snap, I've been here. Uh, you know what it's like, man. I, in college, I was like the only black dude. Uh, my Rap, rap. I mean, people were laughing in my theater. Incredible. People were rolling, rolling. This- I mean, it's like so uncomfortable. And then, of course, yeah, he gets up there. He's rapping. He sucks at it. They're looking at him like, "Who are you?" Like he's about to get fired. And then he just says, "Nigga." Now, when he said the first time he says "nigga" shit again, my theater goes insane. It wasn't until uh, I will say this: this is a testament to like Keith's acting. Midway through it. You see him looking over at Army Hammer. You see fear. You see him like, oh, this is working. But I don't know, man. I was like, this dude's eyes are tearing up. Like, you ever think about, like, you ever, like, you ever think about that sometimes? It's so funny that that's what he actually says. It's like the subtext and the con. Yeah, it is. That's all they want. <laughs> Literally, dude, that's what they want. Like, I, that's I, all they want. That's all they want. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I think about, I think about the Kardashians, bro. Really, I think about them. They are... Everything that black women get stressed, like get get talked about for, they have big butts. All right, they wear braids. Uh, like they literally are the thing that you will never accept black women to do. And it's like, oh, but they can do it. I think honestly, our boy Pete, I'm cool to Pete. I'm cool with Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson talk about. It. He makes jokes about it, and no one gives a shit. He's like, yeah, y'all like me. He's like, because I'm white, but you might think I'm black, so I feel safe to you. That's literally what he is. Right. He does the same type of shit. He just looks, he's just at the end of the day as a white kid. Right. We, we joke about Will Smith. Will Smith is hood, bro. Will Smith is from fucking West Philadelphia, right? 
But people make fun of him because he can talk white. So I was like, oh, you're a black dude, but you know what? You're a happy one. I like this one. Like, what do we do? Like, what, like, what do we... What? So, after all this, this long night, he goes down, does a little bit of cocaine with Army Hammer, and then Army Hammer is like, hey, so, like, I want to do this. I want to make you this offer. And he's like, oh, man, I actually have to use the bathroom first. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he goes to the bathroom, and... And he's there, and then he just hears somebody be like, help, like, help me, help me. And he's like, what the fuck? And he just goes over, pulls back a curtain, and there's a horseman. James, what did you think when you saw this? I mean, I, for a second, thought maybe I don't bang with this movie. Really? Wait. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was the moment. Why? Uh, Why? uh, I mean, it, it was weird. It was like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> like, what? like it was like uh, what the f- what the uh i at first i thought it was going to be him um behind the uh behind the door i thought it was gonna be him right um uh, i thought oh wow what does that mean you know um uh, and then it was not him but it was like a weird <laughs> horse guy i thought oh Maybe I don't like this. <laughs> it was you know. something. Uh, Would you? Oh wait, James. What about you? I mean, uh, John. What about you? What do you think? Oh, wait, sorry, wait, sorry. He's not done. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, then I think it changed once, um, once uh, the video. But you like the video? Yeah, yeah. I like the video. Oh man! I, and, then, and, me, then I got on, and then I got on board after the video. For me, it was for for me. I was just like. For me, at first, I was freaked out because that thing looked freaky as hell. It did. Oh, it my God. So it was weird. so disturbing. It was so disturbing. I was like, ha! Ah! Like, I kind of was like, oh, my God. I was like, what? And then he's freaking out, and he screams, and he leaves, and I'm like, what What was that supposed to be? Like, what? Like, there, like there's just some freaking centaur in there? And then, yeah, the... I mean, the video was ridiculous, and I mean, the metaphor is pretty on the nose. It's like corporations look at their workers as if they're horses. They're just cat. It's a just, workhorse. It's a You're literally a workhorse. You're a workhorse. Like they don't care about you. And it's like, it's like, hey, wh- how can we make our workers more productive so that we can make more money? Let's just turn them literally into horses. They're stronger, work longer. Easy, um, what is it? Easier to control? Yeah. And, uh, and what I loved was Army. I think Army Hammer was so great in this. Like, it was so funny for him. <laughs> I forgot exactly. Lakeith said something and he goes, Oh, good. You get it. <laughs> no. Oh, I think Lakeith was like, Lakeith was like, you're not, oh, you, you're not crazy. You just want to turn people into horses. And he's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's so, and it's so interesting because to him, he was like. Thank you. He, like, it's so, he was so mad of fact. He didn't play him as a bad guy. Right. He's like, no, man, I'm doing this to help people. He's like, man, it'll be easy. They all, what do you say? They're all taken care of. And he's like, and all, also, who doesn't want a horse cock? That's literally what the thing is. Like, and you get a horse cock. 
and you get a horse cop. And here's the part I think you really need to listen to. You're going to get a horse Yo, he was so excited by it. He was so, it's like he wanted one, I guess. Um, so, but, but, so he shows him the fact that he's turning people into horses and it's done through like some like snorting coke powder or whatever. And then like, like he freaks out. He's like, did you just turn me into a horse? Ah! And he's like, no, no, no. Why, why would I do that? That's ridiculous. Why would I do that? Um, uh, which which was also hilarious. And then he's like, but that being said, what I want you to do is to become a horse and become Martin Luther the King of Horses. I want you to become the Martin Luther King of Horses. But we control you and you control them. So because they're they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna revolt, but we control the leader of the revolution, and so you know, you work with us, we contain it, and then it'll be all good. And, and here's we, what I'm offering you. $100 million. $100 million. We'll turn you back after five years. We'll turn you back after five years. And you get a horse cock. So here's my question. Would you do it? James, would you do it? <laughs> so, James, would you do it? So the thing that I liked about that, right? First of all, no. Of course not. Of course I'm not going <laughs> to But what was cool about it was... And and it was in this scene where uh, you know where I was coming when I was getting on board with it again, because it's like, you know, his answer for why he picked him was like, I've never seen anyone shoot up in the ranks as much as you have, right? That was that was interesting. But then he also shot up in the ranks during a time where people were already fighting against it, you know, like very publicly, probably in a way that hadn't happened before, those kinds of, that kind of uh, protest. So it was mm-hmm. like, it was almost like it needs to be you because you'll play, I think you're going to play ball. Um, uh, you know, you already have been doing it so well, so far. Uh, right. and, and so it was really, I, I liked how, you know, so, so, this goes back to the thing I was saying before of like how like it's like does the movie have a message? I don't know, but like but the fact that he was he was seemingly the perfect person to be upon Martin Luther King for horses for this corporation that's trying to take over the world like like it was like great. I I, I like I I couldn't imagine it being anything else. It had you know the and like we don't know if he's made up this antidote so like of course i wouldn't i i wouldn't play ball but if i'm already a if i'm already a horse person like if you if you've already turned me into a horse person like yeah. what do, what would i do i don't know what i would do but <laughs> but i know i wouldn't willingly do it but we've already seen mm-hmm. him snort the the coke stuff that we don't know if it's just coke or if it's not coke uh uh, I thought it was great. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I should get very mad. But the thing is, is he's an exceptional Negro. That's basically what he said. He's like, I've never seen any. I've never seen a person do what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I want you to be, yeah. The Martin Luther, the fact that he quote, like the fact that he brings up Martin Luther King is like, yo, you can be the next black man to like lead a people. I mean, and unionize it, It's so interesting too to bring up Martin Luther King because it is a thing that. Uh, like far right people will bring up MLK as like why aren't you 
Black Lives Matter, more like Martin Luther King, because there's this there's this idea that there's this whitewashed idea of Martin Luther King as somebody who was a pacifist in terms of uh, not shaking the, the the branches too hard, just being like just like patiently, calmly, you know, uh, civilly you know, being disobedient and, and doing it in the right way, even though the reality is that at the time, white leaders hated him and accused him of the things that uh, organizations like Black Lives Matter get accused of today. It, the same yeah. kind of like, oh, you are, you're racist against white people, you are causing uh, riots, like, you are doing, uh, we agree with the message, we agree with the message, but not the way that you're doing it. You know, literally church leaders would tell Martin Luther King Jr. that white church leaders would be like, look, we agree that racism is wrong, but what you're doing is, is also wrong. That's not the way to do it. And so, but now, now this, people look back and they're like, oh no, he was doing it right because he's peaceful and blah, blah, blah. So I, I always, mean, also, yeah. but also, so funny people. That's why I really want to. Re- Someone was great, but that's just like one instance. I would love for you to see how he, like, how he was towards the end of his life, because, and I'm not saying he was as, as extreme as Martin. Luther, I mean, Malcolm X was when Malcolm X first started. But yo, if you find some of his speeches, like they, what was it, CNN or some some HBO? Someone played like his last couple of interviews recently, and my man gave no fucks. Yeah. Like, so much so that he was, like, calling out people. You know, like, he, he became very aggressive. He became very tired. He became very, I mean, he was punched, jailed. You know what yeah. I'm saying? People threatened his wife, his kids. They would call and, like, make moaning noises because, I mean, like, the thing is, like, I don't think people understand how aggressive this man got. So the fact that he brought him up as someone who you should be more like uh, is interesting. And also, the thing that I loved even more about this movie is that after this, Cash decides to do something about it. Goes on talk shows. He he tries to call. Nobody cares. He tries to call a paper. Hangs up on him. He goes on the punch me in the face show. Gets his ass whooped. Jumps in shit. Jumps in shit. They play the video, and the stock rises so much that Dow has never seen anything like it before. Honestly, that was the most brilliant part of the movie. The most brilliant part of the movie is he finally is able to air this footage of horse people proving that what he said was right that worry free is turning people into horses and the stock goes up it's literally like the trump like trump gets elected and we're like this is going to be bad and the stocks go up you know what i mean yeah. like it was just because like, they know because these terrible things happen and people are like this is good for business because you like, know because you know it like i remember do you do you do you remember because it's all about money yeah do you remember the things that went up like lily it was like architecture firms, like literally building, like people who were going to make money knowing he was just going to spend money, everything went up. And it's so interesting that this, again, this black dude trying to do the right thing has to be beaten and humiliated. And they also said the number of viewers multiple times, it was like 500 million people or something like that. 500 million people are going to watch you get your ass whipped. They said it to him. She names it. And it's a white lady who's the host of the show. An old white lady is the host of this show. All right. Literally, an old white lady is the host of this show. He gets beat up by all white people. Not one of those three dudes are a person of color. Beat up by all white people. 
and it is covered in shit, and still no one listens to it. He goes on talk shows, CNN, every place, and it just keeps helping Army well, Hammer. Li- but then they finally list him, and it doesn't matter. It just it helps that company. Doesn't matter. And so, yeah. uh, I mean, and it's and what's yeah. great about it is like it's like of course, of course, people weren't going to care. People have we've been we've been essentially watching people not care about what's going on for a really long time, and then like. And, and and then to just think like like it's like of course it's gonna go up of course people are gonna be interested in that uh, uh that idea he wouldn't have sunk the money that he has already put into it into it if <laughs> if there wasn't a market for it you know yeah no I mean it's Good true point. it's just like man like that part was the toughest part but I do like that uh. So then there's a little riot at the end. Yeah, it forced Cash to like really think outside the box, like think outside the box and do something about it. Um, I mean, so I mean, this to me is where it gets a little. I don't know what the movie is doing. It just feels like uh, this is a. I guess this is a fun way to end it. We'll have there be an actual. I mean, there already was this kind of like huge protest happening outside of that office every day because of the union workers on strike. And so they decide their symbolic stand is going to be, we're going to, we're really going to figure out a way to prevent these um, power callers from entering this building. And they devise a plan to, you know, put basically cement people (laughs) there so that when the cops try to, and we've seen multiple images of cops beating people, by the way, throughout this movie. Yeah. Uh, and so when the cops try to beat people, they actually like get hit by these cement. They like run into these cement things, and then they get attacked. And so the power call. So they have this small symbolic victory of the power callers to not being able to enter the building. Uh, but then quickly that just turns into a, more cops coming and a riot breaking out, and people. Again, we see people getting beat like viciously yeah um and then and getting arrested until he brings the horse people what do they call them uh they have like a uh, like, uh, like equus sapiens. Sapiens. Equus sapiens. Equus sapiens. so they come and they kind of beat the hell out of everybody beat the hell out of all the cops and they're like trashing things flipping cars over and they're scary looking and they have huge penis yep. yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and so uh, we see that happening, and and then he's you know I'm from Jersey. Remember that? Remember the guy? He's like, "Hey, thank you. Just talk to me regular, man." Like it's so funny. Yeah. Because there's one part we did skip, which I just thought about. Um, is that at one point when I'm gonna skip it back? Well, at one point when Cash is still working there, he gets hit in the head with a soda can. Oh right, that's the and that's the gives you the sim the yeah the the, the, the bloody gash yeah, on his head on his head wrapped in bandage, but. But the scene before this riot, Cash goes to squeeze and Jermaine is like, hey, man, apologize. Straight up apologizes Mm -hmm. uh, and asks him for help. But what we don't know is it's Halloween time, I think. And he looks outside and there's a bunch of little white girls wearing like his hair wig. Right. With the can on his head. Right. That's funny. And to me, and to me, like that was like another symbolic thing of. Yeah, man, like. I hate to keep using the Kardashians as references because I mean that's not just them, but it's just the way that old saying of people love black culture but hate the people. 
Like people will listen to the music, the style, what we think is funny, and you know, emulate it and love it, but then trash the person that is doing it. You or, know what I mean? Or, and it, it, it's not, it, I mean, sometimes they trash the person, but sometimes they don't even have to trash the person. It's just about not looking at them as a human being, like not looking at the culture as coming from real people. It's just a commodity, which is. I think one of the overall arching themes of this movie was a critique on capitalism of being like everything can be commercialized and made for profit. And like it doesn't matter what it is, you know, we'll, we'll make communism for profit. <laughs> we'll make, uh, you know, telemarketing for profit. We'll, you know, we'll take your freaking art, like you, we'll take your performance art that's about social activism and then make that into our profit will take you getting hit in the head, mm. <laughs> you know, with the kid yeah. and, and being this there. We'll make that into profit. And then it's like, you talk about people turning to horses and we're like, ooh, that sounds like another thing to make money off of. So it's like everything is about making money in, in this world and like nothing changes. It just gets consumed and then just like transformed and made into something else. And like, that's kind of like, the thing about, we, we, we talk about politicals, and I think, it, I, I do think, I don't know if the movie was trying to make a comment, but I, I made this draw of lying of like, even Steve, even Glenn's character of unionizing, like, and it had a specific goal, but I think the movie was, try, was still trying to say like, even in that space, he's still working within the confines of capitalism, and at the end of the day, he's still going to be working for a company that's evil, and they're not really going to be getting that much pa- like even the power that they get it doesn't matter it's like that's the whole thing with these power callers like they have all this money and power but at the end of the day it it doesn't matter they're still a person who has so much more money and power than you who wants to turn you into a horse yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like they like, want to be able to use you <laughs> yeah like, i mean and, and there was something to like i think that i think they do touch on that uh, p- pretty uh, directly, and, and but then there's also this other thing too of like how he's kind of he's kind of made a thing for himself about uh, about um, unionizing. Like he's sort of he's for himself uh, uh, picked. He's picking up and putting down causes. Uh, like like he's started the first. Um, sign twirlers union we have that we have that one moment of like seeing him like right. expertly do that and then i think there was like one more uh uh a union thing that he like st- that he started and then you know and now he's not a part of um and is clearly though then at the end also clearly still working as a telemarketer still a part of uh uh this uh, machine yeah. I, yeah. And so what do you think do, does the end end have any actual meaning? I don't get it. I mean, if it does, I I So the end end is we see Army Hammer in his house. His door gets knocked in. We see that Lakeith has turned into a horse and he's going to go beat up kill yeah, well, I guess because my thing is like you, you see with him, his horse people. Yeah, he's now he now, he now is, is the Martin Luther King. Yeah, he's he's leading them, and you see because he sets them like there was one quick scene where you see him break into the house. He sets them free, um, and when he has this wonderful moment, gives uh, Jermaine Fowler the car, 
he, you know, he's like, you know, I, I couldn't come back to what I used to have. So he made his bedroom like his rich apartment. And when he closes the door, you think he hits himself in the nose, but he actually starts forming a horse nose. And he not when he buzzes, he's like, "Hey, I'm the dude's about to fuck you up or some shit like that." Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe he's going there to get the formula to turn them back oh, the into antidote. the antidote. An antidote. Yeah, so he's turning them back in it, but I, I don't even know. And I guess for me, it's like it's not the horse people with a twist that made it weird to me. Is I don't even know what the riot solved. If it solved, no, anything. I don't think it solved anything, and and that's why I do wonder. If that's what the point was, which is why the last scene of him turning into a horse and then going to beat up Army Hammer, I didn't quite understand because I was like, it seemed like almost the the movie wasn't, I think maybe the reason, okay, here, now I'm just going to solve it for myself. Maybe it's just Boots Riley didn't want to get, he really didn't want to give you an answer. He didn't really want you to, he didn't want to say that protesting and forming unions and all this political activism is useless. But he also didn't want to say that this is the only way we can beat the system. Because he kind of, it kind of seemed like there was enough moments in this movie where he was like, this stuff is kind of pointless too. It's not going to create too much yeah. change. Like, he kind of, like, because that's what I was saying. Like, even their thing at the end of like, we're going to stop them from coming in. So for a day, who cares? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, what kind of victory is that? You stop him from coming in for a day. I kind of, and maybe people will disagree with me, with me about this. Uh, definitely, social media will probably disagree with me about this. But I kind of feel the same way about us, like, like the like liberals, like taking down specific little people, getting them fired from a job, and then treating that like it's some victory against Trump and our political system. Where I'm like. Okay, so Rosie O'Donnell, doesn't, I mean, so freaking Roseanne doesn't have a show. Cool, but you really think that's changing Trump's America? You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's fueling it's, it's, hatred. It's a symbolic victory that, at the end of the day, could potentially, is potentially just making the situation worse and not better. It's like they stop the people from coming in, and that just causes a riot. And maybe they win the riot. I mean, can you win a riot? They, people already got beat. By the time the horses come, it doesn't matter. People already got beat in the head. Yeah. People already got arrested. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, the, the damage was already done. Hmm. And so, and then at the end of the day, he still gets turned into a horse. Yeah. And it's like, cool. And then, and so I was like, it was one of those things where, like, he gets turned into a horse. Well, I'm going to still do whatever I can to F you up. Like, and I guess maybe that's the point is like, there will always be like, we'll always fight against the system. The system will never fully win. But at the end of the day, we're never going to take down the system either. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I mean, I don't. James, do you have a Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of different, there's a lot of different possibilities or a lot of different possible directions that you can go there, right? Like, I don't necessarily see, I don't necessarily see the direct line to, um, like, uh, we got Roseanne out of the job. We are taking down Trump's uh, America. Like, but for them, for them celebrating the the stop of getting people through the 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 work, because that was the point of the protest in the first place. Like, like the point of the protest in the first place is to is to shut down the company that they're working for. So they're celebrating that one day, that one victory, because that was the point of the the months or weeks or however long it's been. Uh, uh, that's they finally they've made one step, but they've been trying to do that for 
whatever, you know, and they want to continue to do that for even for even more beyond that. Um, But then that being said, right, like uh, uh, there is something just nice about uh, the Army Hammer getting the comeuppance that he gets. You know, there is something nice about the turn of of uh, sorry to bother you. Um, at the end, uh, and he's a horse man. And then there's also something interesting about the fact that he was already a horse guy. Like he, like, like, yes, it takes some time for him to turn, but like he was a horse person the whole time. Like he, he was a horse person. (laughs) And then he decided, oh, I want to stop you from making these horse people. But he, it was already too late. For a hand, like he had already become a horse person, unbeknownst to himself, um, uh, and so I don't know what that I don't know what that is saying about, um, you know, I don't know what that is saying about our activism today. Like, are we it, are we doomed no matter what we do? Like, I don't think he's trying to say that <laughs> as a as uh, as the message of the movie, but I do think that is definitely that's certainly the case for. Um, Lakeith in that moment, right? Like, it's like he decides to fight when it's already too late, and he doesn't even know that it's already too late. He's just like, oh, something's right. weird. But he, but it's 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 already far gone. There's no going back when he decides right. to fight, and that's interesting to me. The 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 point that I... I guess the point that I was trying to... Just to clarify, the point that I was making with, like, Roseanne was, like, I see it as... I see those kind of things... It's not just Roseanne, it's other people too, right? Like, I see those kind of things. Of like, here's us exercising power because we feel powerless. We feel that we don't have control over the, th- the things in this country that are happening that we, f- we feel are wrong. We want them to change. And so here are the things that we can do to change, right? And, like, Steve's character taps into this of, like, this is what I know we can do. If we all band together, we can unionize you know, and then get them to give in to our demands. If not, we go on strike. This is what we can do. This is in our power. And one of those things is like preventing people from crossing the picket line. And so that's what they're trying to do every time, and they fail every time. And then they finally get this one thing. But the reality is this is one calling center. And there are hundreds of these telemarketers. You know what I mean? It's like, this company is making money every day. Like, them, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's like, you did this, you feel like you have power and control, but at the end of the day, you didn't really change anything. It's like taking a cup of water from the ocean. It's like, yeah, that cup of water is now gone from the ocean, and you're still in an ocean. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of thing and i don't know if he i don't maybe he didn't even maybe all this stuff i'm just projecting onto the movie but that's kind of some of the stuff that was going through my mind when i was watching it because i was like you know uh what does it mean that he's like what is the keith trying to do he's trying to bring the company down and then he realizes he can't he does the best he he gives his 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 best shot he humiliates himself he does all this stuff to, to bring the company down it literally just bolsters the company, does the opposite reaction. And so he's like, well, I can't do that. Maybe I can do this small thing. And then they have the small success, and it feels good, but then he still turns into a horse. And so what feels good then? Beating somebody up. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean there has gotta, to be something to that. It resorts to violence at the end of the movie. You got to do something. I mean, can I talk to Hollywood for a second? Yeah. 
This is my thing. Um, I am happy this movie got made. Like, 100%. I think this movie has layers upon layers that if you watch it three times, you're still going to be dissecting things. I think it's so weird. I think it's so odd. I think it showcases Lakeith in such a really great way because of kind of the odd performance he normally gives. Um, What I hope this movie does, and, you know, only time will tell, but I hope we get more weird, awkward movies. I hope we... You know, I'm looking at this movie coming out called uh, Eighth Grade, which I really want to see. I hope that one day, you know, it'll be a movie with a little black girl in there. And maybe, you know what? Maybe it's just about an awkward girl who's trying to deal with high school, but not like the awkward girl in the hood. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's just we have layers and we get to see different things. We get to. I'm happy that this movie, yeah, Lakeith is broke, but he's not necessarily from the hood. We don't know where he was living at. It looked like the suburbs. Definitely, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't know where he's from. We knew he didn't have money. And that was and that kind of was cool to me because his struggle, yes, was race related, but as a black person living in America, your struggle will not never not be about race. That's just that's just the that's just the first thing that happens when you're born. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm black, so I gotta deal with that. You know, but there's so many more things to deal with. We get we get mental health, we get class systems, we get gender. Uh, and I was so nice and refreshing to see that, like he was dealing with something. I mean, my God, to see him deal with being broke and just trying to figure it out. It was so cool to see. But, you know, I want Hollywood to just keep doing this thing. And I want to, I feel like I want to know more uh, well-known people who are African-American in Hollywood do what I've noticed as far as does. Yeah. And, and again, like Forrest Whitaker isn't out here giving interviews or anything. After a while, you just start noticing their names on the credits. You know, Will Smith could probably greenlight still any movie he wants. I don't know how often he's helping the next Will Smith or the next director. And it's not saying it's his job to, but it would be nice if he did. You know, maybe he does, and I don't know. It would be nice to see if Denzel. I mean, because I know Denzel has a program where he helps pay for people's college and things like that. I don't know. Maybe it'd be nice if he just started making movies with, like, a young black director. I don't know. It, I'm just very curious about how do we do the things that I've seen other races do in Hollywood. I know a lot of people give, you know, I know people say a lot about how Jewish people run Hollywood. It's like, yeah, but it seems like they take care of each other. I just want to know, like, can us as African Americans do the same thing? Is there is there a thing that Lakeith goes through where, Maybe you would want to, but if you do, it's going to hurt your career or it's going to make you look different. I'm very curious to know, like, maybe this movie is telling more so about Hollywood as well than anything else. Like, maybe people can't. Maybe Oprah, uh, Tyler Perry, Will Smith, Jamie Foxx can't make a coalition to just, like, only for, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, Oprah made her own network. No, no, what I'm saying, which is very valid. But I'm saying, like, it's a thing of, like, I can tell you how often... Spielberg does it. I can tell you how often James Cameron does it. And, and again, it, it, it doesn't need to be a big thing, but I'm just very fascinated to know, is it happening with African-Americans? We just don't know about I it. Some, I think some people, right? Like Tyler Perry has his own production company and his, he made his own studio. Yeah, he did lot. make his own studio. And, I, and you know, he, he produces a bunch of... The, it's not stuff that we necessarily watch, but it's all starring black yeah. people. All his TV I guess Eva DuVernay does the same thing with Queen and, Sugar on Oprah's network as well. Yeah, that, and that's what I was saying about Oprah. Gotcha, Oprah has gotcha, her own network, gotcha. and I, she, I think she's trying to do that kind of stuff. And 
Denzel does it in a slight in a slightly different way. I think he he like, you know, he 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 had black actors in the movies that he directs, and then like tries to give him well, people. Like, well, I take that back. Let's just. I just want to see I, more. I agree. More people should. More people. Yeah, and it's not. And it's not. Maybe they are. It's not. So I'm not trying to like. Say, I just would love to just have more of these movies because I think it's so weird and it's so refreshing to yeah. just see something different with a person of color as a lead. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you guys. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and sorry to bother you. Um, yeah. We just it, watched. Because while I was watching yep, it. Yeah, sorry to bother you. While I was watching it, I realized, like, so this is a movie, right, like about a guy who is like just trying to make it, you know, like he's just. You mind hurrying just, this up? Or? He's just like trying to make it in the world, right? Yeah. And like, but then he like comes up against just like a whole company, like a whole like company is like after him. And then, but then at the end of it. After him. Wait, we, <laughs> we realize. We realized, like, no, there's like one dude at the head of this company, Steve Lift. That's his, that's Army Hammer's character. The man, the man, the man. Yeah, and he's creating an army of of uh, Equisapiens, like the like monstrous horse people, right? Like like man horses, right? And I realized. In issue number thirty-seven of the Hancock Chronicles, there's a big villain. Thing. It's Steve Lift. I just I just realized that it's connect. It's all connected because Steve Lift is like a big. He has like a series of factories. It's like John, all over the place. John, like let's end this podcast. There, and he's cre- and, he, and and Hancock goes up against him, and and the Equisapiens. He figures out a way to make the Equisapiens mind control. John. He figures out a Let's way to mind this. control him. Mm-hmm. Huh? What? Thank thank you, yeah, James. That was great. Yep. I 100% agree with oh everything you said. Do you know Did that Forrest, Whitta- Forrest Whitaker was the voice of the first Equisapien? Yeah. The one I was saying, help me? The one I was saying, help me? Was he? That's what, it, that's what IMDb says. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. That's crazy. Uh, so... We, when we review uh, movies, we don't uh, rate them based on how much we like them or how well we think they were made uh, in a critical sense. Rather, we rate them on how much they help the cause, the cause of more leading black actors in Hollywood. Yep, damn right. Damn right. And if it fully helps the cause, we give it a black fist. Hoorah. If we well, think it somewhat helped the cause, we give it a white palm. Meh. And if we think, man, this didn't help the cause at all. It don't get nothing. Gets crap. But on the count of three, we're going to rate up, uh, throw our reviews up for this film. What do I give the movie? You ready? Count of three. One. Ugh, okay. Uh, two. Three. All right. Would you give it, James? Black Fist. Yeah, three Black Fists. Three Black Fists. Of course, three Black Fists. Uh, I mean, look, I'll just keep it short, short and sweet. Starring Lakeith, starring Tessa Thompson, uh, starring Jermaine Fowler, Terry Crews. We got a bunch of black people all up in this thing. Black director who also wrote it. Uh, this film deals with race, but it also deals with many other issues. And it allows people to see a black-led film in an indie movie that isn't about uh, slavery 
or like people in the hood trying to get out of the hood. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, nothing wrong with those movies. Those movies are great. But as black filmmakers, actors, uh, creators, we would like to tell a variety of stories, a diversity of stories, as you will. And this is one of them that we rarely get to tell, something this absurd and fun and crazy and cool and weird and controversial. And, you know, it doesn't even matter if you like it or not. It's a movie that you talk about, that people want to talk about. And it feels like the kind of indie comedy film that we generally only see white people lead. And it's so great to see a... a um, a diverse cast, you know, even Steve Yun in there. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's great to see that. So, Black Fist for me all the way. Yeah, I gave it a Black Fist for basically everything John said. And the thing is, after reviewing the podcast, I don't like this movie. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I like it. I actually like it more now. Like, I, but, but, but my point is, I don't like it. It doesn't matter. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I, I respect it for all the themes it had. Like, I, I I get the twist more so now, but at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I never need to see this movie again. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't take away the fact that I'm happy that it got made and that cool. I, you know what it is? I am happy that there's a weird ass black movie for me to not like. Totally. That you know what I mean? Like yeah. that is a cool thing. It's like I don't like this. Like a lot of people don't like the movie Brazil. I love Brazil. It's so freaking weird. Mm. But I love that now we have a black version of Brazil where I'm like, you know what? I don't think I like this one. Maybe if I see it again, maybe if I'm high or some shit, I'm like, oh, well, this thing is, uh, the horse, do you get that? Or maybe I may have that epiphany or something right. like that because all the horses were brown horses. They're not even like, you know, horses are actually different colors. They're white horses. They're like, <laughs> no, I'm saying, but, like, but what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is all were black horses. They weren't like. You're right. They were dark brown horses. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, I mean, you know, like maybe it's something to that. I don't know. But yeah, I'm happy that Tessa Thompson had this opportunity. I'm happy that like, Keith they was able to lead a movie. They all voices too, kind of. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Except for the one. I guess because the one, the one at the very end, I was like, I'm from Jersey, sounded like a white Jersey guy to me. Oh, really? I thought he was... You think he sounded black? I don't know. Yeah, I thought it, he sounded I like... thought it was a black dude, and I kept trying to figure out who it was. I thought it was a black dude. Oh, he maybe, maybe, like, maybe he it was. sounded like, um, uh, and I know he has passed, so it could not be him, but it sounded like Charlie Murphy. And I kept going, who is this? Oh, wow. Okay, maybe, maybe. Two of them were black. Anyway, continue, though. No, I mean, to me, like, that was just cool. The fact that, you know, I have a movie that I don't care for. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And that's no diss to them. It wasn't bad. It's just like, all right, this wasn't for me. I'm okay with that. Great. Yeah, I gave it a fist for all the reasons that you guys uh, said. Um, I thought the directing and writing was great. I thought the acting was great. And um, I've just, I've never, I said before, I've never seen a movie like this. And I, I think I loved it because it was black people being so weird. I mean, I normally, not only not only that, but I normally hate movies like this. Like, I, I normally hate weird white movies, like weird, like alty white movies. I like shit on them mm-hmm. all the time. I talk about them. I talk about how much I hate them a lot um and i just was immediately on board right away i loved how i loved the moment when lakeith like turns to the side in the middle of talking on 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 his phone and he reacts to something and then we cut to the next moment and that's what he's reacting to it's a whole other scene later uh i think it's like you're just gonna hog my weed or whatever it was i loved that i thought i I was immediately like okay this this movie's great and and i will accept anything that you do um 
uh, and I just I thought Jermaine was so good. I I really it was great to see him in this. It was great to see Tessa Thompson. Um, I just I uh, it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Black Fist. All right, all right. There you go. Black Fist. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. But before you go, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you give our podcast a five star review, we will read your reviews on the air. Uh, you can follow us at Black Men Podcast. Blackmenpodcast.com is our website. You can follow me personally at John Braylock, J O N B R A Y L O C K. Uh, com is my website. Uh, and you can go there to watch funny videos and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James? You can follow me at James Third Comedy, James Third Comedy.com. Third is 3RD. Uh, I honestly, I don't think my website isn't working right now. So, uh, uh, follow me on, I don't know, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I do a lot of Instagram stories. I don't really post. Do a lot of retweets on Twitter. Oh, at Dry Melligan for both. I'm a big Instagram story. Well, people are into that. You know, like you would never probably see me on the Instagram story unless I'm reposting a video of someone else who's videoing me, but you will see all my friends. So, yeah, you'll see John James pop up in there, you know. Durka Durka. People like that. Yeah. You used to say Durka Durka. I just watched freaking Team America like on the flight on the plane oh, back. Yeah. I like that movie. Movies. Uh, if um oh sorry. Uh let me just read a quick uh, review. Uh this is by V four one zero. Love you guys. <laughs> Can I talk to America right quick? This is one of those rare podcasts, dare I say, shows that make you want to watch the film in question. I have watched so many films in a new light because of you guys. Absolutely love the show and can't wait till the Hancock Cinematic Universe is in every theater in America. Hashtag believe in Hancock. Thank you. Wow. Wow. No, thank you. James, did you like that? I hate that it's catching on. It's legit catching on. Oh, wait. I have one thing to to promote. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Wednesday through Saturday, if you have cable, watch the Sci-Fi Channel, me and some... Other people who I will meet, I guess, eventually, will be doing random things around Comic-Con on the Sci-Fi channel. It's throughout the day. It'll be on Instagram and YouTube, but it'll be on Sci-Fi channel. So you don't have Wait, cable. It'll be on the Sci-Fi channel? Yeah, so it's going to be like stuff on the Sci-Fi channel. I didn't know this. I did, honestly, I didn't know until I sat here um, and wow. I looked at my email. That's so I cool. knew it was like Comic-Con stuff, but yeah, it'll be on TV. It'll be like it's four, four of us, I guess, apparently. So catch it. Wow. It starts, I guess, all day I don't know. Hell but yeah, yeah, whatever. Comic-Con. All right. Well, next week, we will be reviewing the film Sister Act. Yeah, we'll be why not? Ending our Whoopi Goldberg miniseries. Sister Act. We all seen Sister the Act. original. So we will see you guys next week. Go watch it. Peace. That was a HeadGum Podcast.